Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cosy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Britain. An ancient kingdom with legends of violence, cruelty, and torment in its blood. Join your hosts, Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are... The General Witchfinders. general announcement but uh, for, for everyone else is uh it's it's more of a uh, an apology uh, i suppose really just because uh we do try and do a sort of one once a month for general witch finders but as i think we've mentioned on episodes past all three of us have hectic lives and schedules outside of the heady world of podcasting um me teaching john as a professional photographer and artist and ross in his capacity am i allowed to say he worked for yeah, you can talk about yeah, it. Okay. As long as people give, to a, give a donation. Yes, and Ross in his capacity in working for the RNLI. Um, so at various different times, we, with the best intentions, we'll schedule to do things only to find that our lives have got in the way. Uh, for example, dear listener, at this moment in time, you find me in the midst of, I've got um, 160 uh, year 10 exam <laughs> uh, questions to mark and turn over yeah. in 10 working days. Not... Uh, not naming or shaming any of my my students, but uh, one of my students did mention in a, a one of the themes is crime and punishment, and in a question concerning the rehabilitation of criminals, uh, the person who they choose, I, I said to all of them, if you can talk about real life cases and you can know, you know, show the examiner you've got an awareness of what, about what's going on in the world around you, that's a really good thing. And so the question was all about rehabilitating criminals, and this particular student put, I'm. Um, Criminals should be given the opportunity to rehabilitate. 
for example, the singer Britney Spears did a number of very <laughs> bad things whilst on drugs. However, it turned out that she had mental issues and she's fine now, so she should be rehabilitated. <laughs> like, well, that notorious criminal. <laughs> so, yeah, so I've got, for example, I've got all of that to hack through at the moment, but more pressingly, our colleague and dear friend John is in the middle of a huge, huge project at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, it's a top secret, yes. but I'm sure he, he would talk all about it and um, reveal some celebrity gossip after after the fact. But um, yes. yeah, so uh, John is John is um, on assignment for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. So in the meantime, we're going to do a little clip episode for you. I did one of these back back along. Which I um, have no idea about when, until, until I saw yeah. it on Spotify. I was like, "What? What's this?" Yeah, so um, we're going to have some uh, clips from episodes four, five, and six. They were episode four, mm-hmm. the most downloaded episode of all uh, time. The James Herbert's of course, um, uh, fan favorite Nigel Neal's Stone Tape. Ah, yeah, and the Satanic Rites of Dracula, one of my favorite um, cover art of uh, Dave Lee Travis holding a <laughs> dictaphone. <laughs> so, if you my haven't listened to those, celebrity moment of the last fifteen years. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Just going to make one thing now. clear. Right, like, come on now, let's get one thing straight. It's not kids. (laughs) (laughs) Quack, quack, oops. (laughs) Yeah, quack, quack, oops, indeed. Right. So, um, so yeah, these these are some of. I think we probably peaked on that (laughs) lot of of, um, episodes, thirty odd episodes ago. There's some really good. So, I would recommend stop listening to this now and go and listen Mm. to these three episodes. They're very good, but otherwise, if I do say so myself, (laughs) if I do say so myself, but um, if not. Um, just listen on and we will give you some little choice um, nuggets from those three episodes but yeah enjoy so coming up now we have episode four which is James Herbert's The Rats which is um, as as we uh, were saying in the episode James Herbert was one of our uh, touchstones as, as mm. uh, children wasn't it James? oh absolutely I think. yes um, it it's weird because it all sort of comes at a time when you're kind of sort of branching out and sort of becoming an adult. It's it's real kind of adolescent y stuff. And I think these mm. days, teenagers with their TikToks and and, their, <laughs> and, and, uh, and and listening to Eminem and whatever it is that teenagers do these days, uh, I think they miss out on things like this. This this whole yeah. thing of oh, this book looks like it's for an adult. But yeah. I'm going to have to read uh, several hundred pages, hoping read. that there might be some sex. Well, in that's it. not. I, Yes, but at the same time as well, that that's not all of it. It's also that thing of, and you know, still to this day as an adult, you know, there's something, there's always something interesting in the supernatural. And like for me as an adult, by the time you get to be, you know, absolute fervent believer that it's all nonsense and there, there is no such thing as the supernatural. I'm going on record as saying that. Um, and then also your kind of tolerance for books like this drops quite a lot. Um, as your for me as your critical faculties get better you start looking at them going oh my god this is really kind of just hammy and uh just just quite obvious really but people bloody love them people yep, they still love them now still love them now um but again it, the amount of abuse we got oh, for people just because we said this wasn't particularly good I, and again it, no, if anyone's come back 
<laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> right, I'm going to listen to that clip show they've done just to see if that is. Further fuel for the fire. Absolutely no shade. You know, like what you like. That's that, That's that's fine. That's great. It's just, for me, the, the James Herbert experience is is one that you have as a... As a, as a it was better as a memory uh, rather it, than reliving yeah, it, I it's, think. It's one for me that's... that's inexplicably sort of entwined with with being a being a teenager and being an adolescent and i just for me i don't think we, we speak about it on the episode but for me the main memory is always you coming into school with i think the magic cottage because that yeah. was my first like what is this what has ross brought in because that's what you do when we were teenagers you bring things in to show your mates look yeah. what i've got Look what it was great. Look what i found in my dad's bookcase yeah <laughs> and i just remember thinking it, it, it was a hefty tome well, yeah, it, it's, it's thicker than like the, the books we were used to reading at well, that point. Is well, it? For, the, well, the, yeah, yeah, so uh, I was just like, wow, what are you reading? And you were just like, this is amazing. And you're like, you've got to read it. You've got to read it afterwards. And I remember thinking like, mm, uh, like reading the blurb and thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But then you put the idea of him in my head. And then yeah. the one... The James Herbert seed planted, was planted. And the one that I yeah. read and... I, you know, I'll, I'll be on record here. I, I enjoyed it. As I said, it was, it was Creed mm. with the one where he's the photographer. That was yeah, pretty good. That, I was quite, I was quite sad when that Creed came out of the cinema. And I thought, oh, this looks good. <laughs> uh, James, finally, the James <laughs> Herbert universe comes to the big screen. Hang on. This is a Rocky sequel. <laughs> but yes. So, uh, at the, at the, and then that was having quite enjoyed that one. I think I read the dark. Mm. Which again? Well, oh, that was quite a scary. One. Looked like the guy from Bad Manners emerging from the darkness. <laughs> the blood vessel, Russ. Yeah. Uh, the, the edition that I had, the uh, early nineties edition, just just had like quite an atmospheric house, a la mm. Dark Towers. Come Ooh. listen to the call of Dark. Towers. I was I was I was just listening to Derek Griffiths oh, singing about Vinto today brilliant. on the um on Twitter. Is, is he still with us? I don't know. He should be the new director general of the BBC. He yeah, should do. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people are saying Flo and Benjamin. Well, and her. So get get yeah. both in. Job share. Yeah, and, um, and, and Humpty. <laughs> why not? Um, so there's uh, that's that's my kind of the, the James Herbert vibe, as it were. And then mm. it seemed weird whenever he would turn up in the intervening years. Like, as you said, like the one night putting on, just because TV being on in your house or student, you know, student, accommodation where i was living at that point it's like it's national lottery live and now it's our special guest james herber and it's what 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 (laughs) emerging from dry ice on a motorbike a world war ii motorbike (laughs) in his ubiquitous black leather jacket jacket. (laughs) etc so yeah but enjoy enjoy us not enjoying well i think it's restless the uh the rats My initial idea was to start a, a James Herbert podcast. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> Mainly because I wanted to, for the name I came up with was Herbert Goes Bananas. Nice. That's and that, that yeah. was after I recently read The Spear, James Herbert yes. um, right. book about Nazi artifacts. Are, are you talking about The Spear of Destiny? The Spear of Destiny, the, the, yeah. The, the spear that is said to have pierced the... the, the uh, Side of Christ. The torso of Christ. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Upon his crucifixion by the by the Romans. Yeah, I read that over Christmas hours. and um, it was pretty mental and I 
And, and nothing... ripped off from someone else's yeah, book, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so a, a bit of research found out, yeah, it got sued for plagiarism after, mm. over that. And I, so I think I mooted that to you guys, but I don't think either of you had in any um, interest in reading that no. many James Herbert Absolutely books. Absolutely chuffing not. And I seem to remember I got, because of course I always ask for book tokens for, Christ- for Christmas. I still would, quite frankly. But, and I got the Jonah Mm-hmm. Yeah. which is his one like the dark twin yeah. one and moon of which i remember absolutely I can't remember anything nothing about moon. I, thought... I remember there's something on a dam that the, <laughs> the, the, there's a scene on a dam mm. in the moonlight okay mm. i've I... read that book the entire book and that's literally all i all i remember is that sentence i bet we can book. all remember all the sex scenes though of every single <laughs> one of those books weirdly enough no. i can't uh, i can remember you, it's, you it's telling a... me the one uh, oh, Ross will remember for me. Nah, I think yeah. wasn't there the one which Lenny Henry was going to make into a film about a uh, a journalist? Well, called... just the sexy creep. <laughs> yes, that is the one though where he's a photographer. Yeah, and, and he sees stuff. It, and and he his, looks like um, Mitchum, negatives. And, and I can't remember the sex scene. All I can remember is. Um, they all the characters comment that he looks like Mickey Rourke, <laughs> <laughs> and it's obviously James Herbert, as I think we'll find with the rats that all of his heroes are James Herbert. Occurs me that all the the um, heroes in his books got gradually older as James <laughs> Herbert himself became older. Right, what you know, yeah, exactly. Or not, yeah. As we're going to yeah. see this evening in the case. Of <laughs> The only one that I'm kind of pondering rereading now is The Fog, which I I read The Rats first, and I've been trying to work out in my head, and this is this is the story that I, I was stopped from telling last week by Ross because he said, save it, save it. Save it, yeah. So I, I think I definitely read The Rats before Italia 90 <laughs> because I was... Plagued with, with waking nightmares of seeing the stadiums on the TV, and seeing rats rush into the stadium Ooh. and attack the people and the players. Christ! And this, this, this was a big psychological cloud over me in 1990. I, I was. I know we're going to rip this book apart in a moment, like Qu- a baby. Quite literally on camera. Yeah, like a baby. <laughs> in a frown. Being mauled by rats. However, yeah. books hardly ever affect me in any way. But yeah. reading this book, I woke up um, in in, in uh, early hours in the morning, convinced there was a rat gnawing <laughs> really? at the wall in the in our loft. <laughs> this is such a classic Cleveland story. Yeah, I was going to say we, we'll comment more on this in a yeah, minute. Yeah. Carry on, Ross. <laughs> this is classic. And Cleaver. also, I went for a run the other day, and <laughs> a black down bird, by a canal, a blackbird ran out in front of, hopped in front of me. <laughs> And my Been mind, my birds, my mind saw that as a rat before it, <laughs> before it worked out that it was a blackbird. So, yeah. Even though we're going to come to it, it's incredibly badly written, and well, and uh, very much a book of its time. I think yes. it still does have some power over. It does. It does have some effect. I had to stop reading it the other night because I was finding it too depressing, really, to read before going to sleep. I had to stop reading and look at my phone for a bit because it is, it's unremittingly really grim and depressing. 
Yeah. Um, and so, yes, we then get a load of kind of like vignettes, as we said oh. in the introduction, of basically just rats attacking people and killing people. As you're reading it, I, I, it felt to me like uh, our friend Neil was saying that this was someone who was just trying to work out how to write a novel. And I think he thought, okay, I'll write some little short stories about um, uh, some people and then stick a rat attack in at, at the end. Yeah. So the, the first one, we come across a, a salesman who um, loses his job after his colleagues discover that he's gay and has been having sex with a younger male trainee. Yeah. Yes. Um, he discovers this whilst sitting on the toilet and reading <laughs> the writing about um, his illicit affair on the back of the toilet door. And then he cries, <laughs> cries for ages and sits on the toilet for quite a long time before having the courage to leave. Um, then and he then, becomes an alcoholic. Yeah. And then, he, yes. then a recurring theme in the book becomes an alcoholic tramp. Um, who, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which happens Plenty to quite a few people in this. Was, was London just festooned with alcoholic <laughs> tramps in the seventies? Um, the word that kept uh, flashing up in my mind, like the neon lettering at the start yeah. of the arena program when it floats up in the bottle, oh, the bottle? was problematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about these vignettes is problematic. If you're writing a novel, the, the vignettes are good. In some ways, I think there's too many of them. Mm. But what what makes them really scattershot is the fact that he introduces characters for the point of then killing them. Yeah. So characters aren't introduced and then pop up later in the story in a way which kind of weaves the the, the narrative together. Characters are introduced. You get the whole bloody life story, and then it's like there was a scratching on the door. Um, Michael felt his sphincter tighten and his heart yeah. pulse. Suddenly, beady eyes were looking at him through the keyhole. A rat jumped in, twisted off his genitals <laughs> with one gargantuan uh, leap. I just find, as we go through the chapters, that the people that, that are, are talking about subtext, that the people that are kind of being punished in inverted commas are all people that have got, like problems of some kind so mm. it's alcoholics homosexuals catholics women it's basically like every you know not minority or whatever but it's it's like anyone who isn't him yeah basically <laughs> anyone who isn't a white man up until about halfway through the book is just like yeah oh, it's bizarre it's really bizarre we introduced to harris do we ever hear what his first name is no well i thought that harris was his first name. Oh, I thought it was Rolf. I thought this was the the, <laughs> the young adventures of Rolf Harris. There's two reasons. We find out he's a an art teacher, and also there's well, a point where he he comments on some fourteen year old girl's breasts and says the bouncing good breasts. Yeah, bouncing breasts, and says that the job is worth it for the crumpet. straight away so, failed CRB. Yeah, check. this is the young adventures of Rolf Harris. The problematic meter at that point went up to a hundred. And actually, the mercury burst out of it because it was so problematic. Is that what you call it, John? <laughs> I just read that and I thought, this is the goodie. I like, <laughs> what? And also, my big thing was, and I'll show the guys now, I've literally just written on the front page, chapter 11. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just get straight to chapter 11 because this is when we see Harris at work. And... Now, there's two things to point out. Number one, that prior to 1989, we didn't have a national curriculum in Great Britain. So schools could teach pretty much whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading this, as I was reading through, I was like, what's, what's, what's he supposed to be? How old are these kids? How Number one, how old are these kids? Mm. And then secondly, I was like, 
what's actually going on in this school? It's utterly ridiculous. And I now know that you know, schools are far more structured. But I was like, is this like a picture? So I'm torn between, is this actually a picture of what 1973 schooling was like in this country versus is this written by someone who hadn't been into a school for over 30 years <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he started writing it? Right, you lot, shut up! He barked above the din. Scaly, sit down and blow your nose. Thomas, away from the window, back to your seat. Maureen, put your mirror away now. Right, all had a good weekend? That's enough. Let's call the register. <laughs> no one teaches like this. Trust me, nobody teaches like this. They do if the- you've. If you've seen Please Sir, that's like, that's oh, well, basically exactly. just the Please 19th Sir, 70s. isn't it? That's what yeah. I said. The people sensed he was in a good mood and knew <laughs> he'd get away with a little more cheek than normal. This morning, anyway. Only two absentees. Not bad for a Monday morning. Yes, Carlos, what is it? Toilet? We've only just got in. <laughs> Go on, then. You'll never concentrate if you don't. Carlos, a thin, dark-skinned boy, oh, God. thanked him sir and left the room a smirk on his face when he when he had his back to the teacher he gets them all to basically draw he just gets them to do some drawing an animal draw an animal it's the sort of thing you give a five-year-old to do exactly because i was reading i was like how old are these kids right because then he says any good at drawing monkeys morris (laughs) no sir well try copying from a mirror harris told him knowing that the class expected and enjoyed his bringing down of a loud mouth, even though any one of them could be next. Feeble, Harris thought. Not bad for a Monday morning. I thought that maybe this was his form, and then he had them for a bit, and then they went to other classes, because I think that's what I did in high school. You went in, you saw Mr. Kane, he took register, and then you had your first lesson after, like, 20 minutes or something. But why you doing art first thing in the morning, I don't know. You'd never have art in the, at the start, would you? Let's draw an animal. At that moment, Carlos burst into the room in a state of extreme agitation. Sir, sir, in the playground, there's one of them things! He gesticulated towards the window, his eyes wide, smiling in excitement. And then he, we find out that he says, there, was, there wasn't one of them things, but several huge black rats. Uh, and I was like, nobody talks like this. One this of them just things, such, just so sir. <laughs> then we have a chapter about a character called Mary Kelly. Let's, hang on, let's not, get, let's not quite get to Mary Kelly yet, because that's by far far the most problematic neon light of the whole book with keo it almost becomes interesting keo comes in he's got the check shirt on he's got jeans on i think it mentions something about his shoes as well and you think right we're in the 70s now i can kind of see this in mind he's been bitten they go to the hospital he's seen to by a nurse and then you have this kind of coincidental uh action of where the 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 mother comes in with the dead baby from the attack and you think oh he's lining up now things that have happened in the narrative and that starts to make sense and mm. it, and you could you start to get this kind of feeling of impending doom but then he literally just throws all that up in the air and then writes a, like a a mini short story about this woman mary kelly who is most famously a victim of jack the ripper it's, Jack it's the bizarre ripper. That he, <laughs> Yeah, it's bizarre that he reuses that name. All the names to pick. 
Yeah. And then he's got like this 10, 15 page interlude. It's where... one of the longest chapters. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. And he basically tells this woman's life story, which is weird. Which is basically a story of a woman who couldn't have an orgasm and yes. uh, was having sex with as many people as she possibly could until she met someone who had a giant knob who could then give her an <laughs> orgasm, which she was really yes. happy about. They were going to get married. And then he got run over by a tank when he went off to war <laughs> before the war even started. Before the war started. So it's, you know, a bit of a clumsy idiot. Which then led her to become an alcoholic tramp. Mary Shelley's... Uh, Mary, Mary Shelley. Shelley. Mary Harris. No, fucking Mary hell. Kelly. Mary Kelly. <laughs> so Mary Kelly is in... So she's an Irish Catholic. She's had this breakdown. She's become an alcoholic. You've had... It must be 15 pages. James, can you look quickly and see um, how many pages okay. it is? Whatever whatever chapter that is. So basically, you but, have uh, the all The first Hail Mary, right? Okay, so it's, it's in our edition, it's pages 24 to 41. Oh, my God. It starts to build a bit of momentum. Hmm. It starts to make sense with the narrative and then it's just this part is just shoehorned in and it feels like filler it, it it just doesn't go anywhere then obviously um the rats attack all these people and and all these tramps and then they're all killed next introduced to harris's girlfriend jude who he, yeah. he he makes get up in the morning to make him breakfast oh god that and then has a very weird odd sexy interlude with later on they're talking to each other she's in the bath mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in oh, the nip no. he's not and then she says uh, Judy murmured in a soft appreciation as his hand reached the top of her legs oh, what will you do till the school reopens she asks he pulled gently at her small mound of hair almost preoccupied with his own thoughts I might just have a look around the area see how things are being cleaned up might even do a bit of painting who does that well, so everyone's doing on furlough. Well, who, who pulls on pubes? No one pulls on pubes. This is this is dated. This is one of the things that dated the book for me was the it's amount so, of pubes in this. In yeah, this. it's so. Um... It does show that James Herbert has. A thing for pube pulling because it, I think there's at least three uh, points in this book where someone has their pubes tugged upon, which um this is something which <laughs> I think is a lost art now in the by, um, per, by personal persons unknown. This sex content in it is more horrific and more clumsily written than the horror, which is quite terrifying. <laughs> which is quite interesting <laughs> as well because I I don't know if you guys watched the episode of Wogan I shared with you where James Herbert <laughs> yeah. was on there. I watched about <laughs> half of it, but it, it, Herbert's weird creepy voice and the other kind of jumped up guy who was so like Clive Barker who's so eager to outshine James Herbert that he looks like his neck is going to explode like the guy from Scanners like (laughs) his blood pressure is yeah yeah I'm here as well I've written loads of books I've had films I did Hellraiser it's like oh my god his eye it's like his eyes are going to pop out and Terry's just like family show folks because they're just like Vestal Virgins Vestal Virgin oh shut up George Best being drunk on his show was the nadir <laughs> in the long run. But no, 
it doesn't just appeal to uh, people like us, it, it's kids as well, particularly kids. Yeah, kids love to be scared, mm. don't yeah, they? Yeah, and also oh, yeah. a lot of women readers, there's a, I guess, uh, there were some figures I saw in America recently, about 60% of all horror f novels are, uh, are bought by women. Yeah, but you're pushing it, you're pushing it beyond the bounds that most people would want to take it. But it's still safe, right? It's like, it's it's still like going safe, on, a, yeah. on a and, ghost train ride. And in fact, they want us to do that for them. They want us to take it as far as we can go right. and drag them a little bit along the way. They can retreat, and we retreat as well, before we go uh, to the ultimate. And I don't know well, yet what the ultimate is. Do, do you retreat? I don't think so. Uh, I think you go to the limits. I go to the, I've never censored myself. I've, the thing I've always said is, Everything I put in my books, I'll, I'll never say, no, Clive, you shouldn't say that. No, you forbid. I don't think you forbid yourself anything. No, I don't. I'm trying to be mild-mannered and family showish. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Never mind. It's Halloween. Everybody wants to get frightened out of their wits tonight. But describe your stories. I mean, I know they're different, but do they have a central theme? I mean, your ultimate aim is to frighten the living daylights out of everybody. That, that's part of it. That's, uh, we, we, we entertain. We want to frighten people. We're like the, the roller coaster, the Big Dipper. We, we have our various themes, uh, and, and it's usually good against evil. Sometimes we twist it and have evil against evil. But uh, usually, I think with Clive's and, and certainly with mine, there is some kind of moral tone there. In that episode of Wogan, James Herbert says that children love reading his books. And I, I was yeah. thinking... If he knew kids well, were reading his books, why was he putting so many... Why does he put all this fucking filth in? Because it, it is filth. This is the kind of stuff, I think, reading this, that made Mary Whitehouse literally just uh, uh, head Explode. rotate. Because it is... It's just rubbish. It's just gratuitous, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's put in because it's just pulp. And I... And I you can't dress this book up as anything else, really. But however, um, I've got to say, as a 14-year-old boy, it was fucking amazing. It was, it, was, it was everything I wanted to read in a book. Sex, violence, and uh, the supernatural. Just all put into one. I remember strangely little about it, actually. And I know that it, that it did make a big mark on me. And I know that I tried to read others of his books, and I thought they were potentially all quite rubbish. Reading it now, it obviously didn't make much a mark on me, because I, the only bit I remembered, really, was the ending, I think. It, it, this is bollocks, James. Like, not you, James. James Herbert. Like, this is it. just the laziest. You wouldn't get an art teacher to come in and be a member <laughs> of your, I mean. your crack like, task force. That happens all the time, doesn't it? It's like you there, it's public servant teacher. Come and join the government yeah. task force. Yeah, but this and is a couple because of you happen to live bits. in the area. Out of all the thousands of people that live in the East End, just because this guy has seen a rat, <laughs> he is now part of the like, task first force. First of all, it says. Hello. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, I, in my head, once again, it's the second time I've mentioned him on this podcast. I'm thinking Jacob Rees-Mogg. Oh, right, so, <laughs> what, playing for, foreskins? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. always think it was Jeffrey Palmer. Hello, Mr. Harris, Foskins here. After his initial surprise, Harris answered, Hello, Foskins, uh, what can I... We wondered if, we, if you could help us in a small way, old chap. Well, of course, I... Just a few questions that some of our boys would like you to ask you. Nothing much, shouldn't take long. You see, it turns out that you're one of the very few people that have had actual contact with these killer rats and lived. If you'd come along this afternoon... Right, so it's like, like as if... It's like, please come and speak to the Ministry of Defence about how to kill a rat, art teacher. 
Well, I used a spade. Or, you know, I threw one of them into a wall. Brilliant. Yeah. Put, that, put that on the on the whiteboard. Yes. I pushed Throw, it. Hit with spades. I pushed Throw it into a canal, wall. and I hoped that they were so shocked that they would drown. Which is one of which is ah uh, <laughs> poor. And yeah, then, but then on. later on, a few pages later, it then says it suddenly dawned on Harris why he'd become in the operation. It wasn't really that necessary. He'd hardly call his help invaluable. Foskins had been mistreated by the public. Mistreated and un- un- unappreciated. They'd yelled for his blood, and his superiors had given it to him. On the surface, anyway. And he himself had scorned him. So Harris, in a symbolic way, represented the public. Yeah. He was Foskin's actual contacts with the people who had derided him. And now he was going to prove them wrong yeah. through him. Yeah. Showing he was still in command and very, very able. Good luck. Thought yeah. Harris. I'm like, that's the most convoluted thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and at this and I've point... read Jack Derrida. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> And at this point what? you know full well that Foskins is gonna die at some point. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's it, another yeah, character absolutely. which is just like, oh, I've sketched out this two lines of uh, you know, background story, his wife uh, but unfaithful blah 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 blah, but he wears a pinstripe suit, which it doesn't mention, but I'm sure he does. Oh, we've killed him now. Yeah. <laughs> Even though there was an attack at a tube station in the night, yeah. the yeah. tube's still running the next morning. Of course it is. You wouldn't close the tube just because people have died. <laughs> and this is where we have a, a whole story, the attack on the tube, where an older chap rescues two younger women. And that's where we see, for some reason, a woman loses all of her clothes during the attack. <laughs> in the best possible taste. It's very Cupid stunt, isn't it? That's one for the scene. There's a point where a hero on the tube gets pushed yeah. and his face is squashed into a woman's breast and lap. And uh, which makes them really embarrassed. So it's, it's again wish fulfillment on yeah. here as yeah, well. Like, yeah, 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 I yeah. want to be the person who rescues these two women, but at the same time yeah. being forced, being forced to be in their heaving bosoms. Yeah. That was the best bit of these vignettes for me. This one worked the best for me. It was slightly creepy, and I thought that the the guy was quite interestingly written, and he wasn't a perv. Um, he saved the women, and then he went back into the tunnel. But because it's this book, we never ever hear from him again he's just lost to the mists of time which... for me this is my favorite part coming up is when we mm. have the attack on the school this is what, what james mm. james has highlighted reading it, from earlier it was, yes reading from earlier about the most ridiculous thing ever which i picture <laughs> as the school in remembrance of the daleks if anyone's oh. seen that it's a kind of <laughs> yeah. victorian classic victorian school, London absolutely school. it's got a basement hasn't it's it? it's got a basement yeah. it's got those benches with with bunsen yeah. burners on it's got all that stuff Big yeah. high Although window. there's a small boy, even though they're all teenagers, at one point he picks up a small boy, and I thought, what's he doing there? <laughs> he shouldn't be in that school. Oh yeah, he's Too about small. seven. Does he say he's, he's like, seven? Oh. He says he's seven. Maybe of he was course. just passing, and he yeah, just picks yeah, up a yeah. small boy. Oh, I like schools, but it's quite an exciting um, <laughs> action sequence. It does work quite well, and uh, but again, you have to picture the scene yourself because he doesn't describe any of what the location looks like. Mm. which for me is a real problem because you don't get a sense of this could be a brand new modern comprehensive school or it could be like i've said a victorian school victorian. So i just pictured yeah. it as my own senior school that's that was what, oh what I saw. <laughs> see well my... grimble a beak-nosed sparrow of a man pushed forward really as deputy head i he began we've no time for internal politics now grimble Harris snapped. 
making some of the younger teachers hide smiles of pleasure behind their hands. <laughs> well, Grimble was well attacked. known and dis... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Grimble was well known and disliked for his conniving and petty ways. He turned away huffily. It's like, come on, mate. First of all, you don't, you know, in school, you don't do that. We've got no time for internal politics now. We're being attacked by rats. Who would say that? The name and then also, Grimble the fact, like, the other well. teachers are like... <laughs> That's him told? It's like, you'd be like, oh my God, killer rats are trying to kill us. Yeah, exactly. You'd be shitting yourself. No relation to reality. And I I just thought the name Grimble was just the stupidest, most... um... Dickensian. Well, yeah, it's like like an idiot's idea of a Dickensian name, isn't it? It's like, we've got to describe this man with the stupidest name. So it's like calling him like Mr. Willie or something, isn't it? It's just... John, you'll always be Mr. Willie to me from that now on. Mr. Willie, Mr. Willie, round forward. Oh, as deputy head, said Mr. Willie. Basically, they defeat them by the fire brigade turning up and squirting them with hoses and drowning them. Yeah, yeah. So then we have bla- closing doors. Yeah, closing doors yeah. and lock at the They close doors. doors on them. They and uh, the the headmaster. Yeah, I imagined him as one of those old men you don't see now. We have tweed jackets with like leather patches on the elbows. Absolutely. And then we also get the vignette of the of the uh, zookeeper. Oh, I love that bit. Yeah. Oh, I, that made me laugh. I just that, love that. I, that, I that just, was actually funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so first of all, the rats attack the cinema, and there's a desperate kind of fight for survival, which fails, and everyone in the cinema is is killed. It's prelude to it a, says, a boob um, feel. There's a whole thing about him putting a hand inside someone's bra and having a, a grope. Yeah, yeah. Before right. before this all happens. And then when it says uh, the vermin were on him in an instant, smothering his body with their own foul-smelling forms, biting into him, <laughs> pushing each other aside to get his flesh. His arms beat at them, growing weaker and weaker at every effort, until he finally lay across his face, put them across his face for protection, allowing the creatures to gorge themselves on uh, his body. Uh, Raising one arm from his eyes, uh, he stared up, uncomprehendingly, at the huge coloured screen above him. His eyes read the words, <laughs> and his voice spoke them faintly, but his brain did not understand. He whispered, The end. It's like, what? <laughs> his... He whispered them, but, and again, and this is just flashing back to our whole uh, Frankenstein episodes. That's not how the brain works, mate. If you've said the words, part of your conscious mind is aware of what you've said. If you and you're said also not end, going to be saying that while rats while are eating your stomach and intestines. Absolutely. You're going to just be screaming. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> mommy, 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 mommy. <laughs> yeah so then we have the attack on london zoo which is ripped off from um curse of the cat people whichever the cat first cat people film is and quite a mass experiment oh. more quite a mass experiment because there's a bit where the the creature breaks into london zoo i think he's ripped a lot of this off films actually a zookeeper oh. tries to save the animals by setting them all free and then yeah. is hilariously killed by a cheetah who... <laughs> which is in many ways, it prefigured and ahead of you know the recent Netflix hit documentary Tiger King, yeah, yeah. in which yeah. we find out that you know even though that you might breed them from when they were tiny, tiny they will cubs, turn. they will turn and they will kill yeah. you. Yeah. I do want to see a, a draft being taken down by some giant rats. I think that that's something which <laughs> needs to be captured on screen at some point. And a gorilla as well. I just thought, you know, rats, giant rats, however big they are, can't kill something like a gorilla. It would literally just smash them to smithereens. This is the point where, for me, your suspension of disbelief just becomes 
stretched. It's, it's been stretched. Yeah. You know, kind of wafer thin as it is. Shoe pastry. How, however, I would say I was enjoying the book at this point. I had to keep oh. stopping and going back thinking, have I missed some chapters? Because it wasn't making any sense. But it, it was dragging me through. I was like, I, I need to... <laughs> I was enjoying it. I think it was quite exciting at this point. Well, I, I thought it was nonsensical. Uh, it's like... I, I was just like, please let this end. Uh, please let this we're end. Gonna, we've, we've just decided we're going to evacuate 7 million people. We're going to do that in over a weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to set up technology that can cover the whole area of london with this sonic sound that they don't mention anything about that at all no. we've got this gas that we're going to put everywhere but luckily it doesn't harm humans mm-hmm. but they don't they say they got that off, off the nazis, <laughs> off the nazis. Yes. i think that was the disease wasn't it was that the disease or the gas I'm i mean not sure. can you believe while you're reading something like that that they've managed to develop a gas that will hurt rats and not humans no you can't really and it's just like oh um or make sure you just don't breathe too much of the gas or you might pass out. And it's like, well, if it can poison a mammal, it can poison a human, can't yeah, it? Yeah. Like if you eat rat poison, you're going to feel quite unwell. Mm, mm. So get a carry on to the end. The denouement. Yeah. The love of, for everyone's benefit. <laughs> the love of God. At this point, he, he pulls the, um, the torch out of the dead hand of foreskins to yeah. see what the white shape he saw in the corner was. Oh. And yeah. it's a giant two-headed... Mutant rats. It's, it's, it's almost like a human head, isn't it? This is what I question at this point. Has it been crossbred with a human in some way? I don't is know. That what, is that the implication? I, I think I, you're getting mixed up with first yeah. one. <laughs> I was thinking Alien 4, I think, actually. Ah. This is where this comes out of nowhere. It's literally in the last three or four pages of the book. Oh, by the way, and that's what's been commanding them all. Yes. Yeah. It's like the commander rat. Yeah, they call yeah. it a rat king. Well, yes. they call it the Rat King, where is it? it must actually be a Rat Queen if it's giving birth to the rats, but... Mm. But don't think about that, just hack it to pieces with a fire axe and walk out. <laughs> the end. That's the end of the book. <laughs> and he looks at his stumpy fingers. That's the end. Or so we, th- so we think. Oh, it's a post-credit sequence. So we've got to the end, which the post-credit sequence really enraged me. Oh, it excited me. I just wanted to throw the book out the window at this point. <laughs> so, in the post-credit sequence, one pregnant rat survives the gassing of London. It's locked in a basement with a load of food, which uh, some uh, shopkeeper has stored away to try and make some money after after the great ooh, big event. Ooh. The rat gives birth, and one of those babies is another two-headed white mutant uh. king rat. <gasps> da, da, da. Yeah. Gasp! The horror is not over. This happens to be... So after all the travails of main character to get this sorted, he's had his ear bitten off, he's had his fingers bitten off, he's gone, he's killed the main baddie. Just end the book there. But really, what you do then is bring in this really lame epilogue, hoping that you can do a, then do a sequel. Yeah. Ah, uh, oh, it just really annoyed me because it just oh. ma- it, it, it it literally makes everything in the book pointless because it's like. You think the story is over, but actually it's not over, which I always hate endings like that, unless it's like Halloween or something. It's just, I think it's lazier than writing a really good ending. Oh, Mm. well, personally, I enjoyed that, and it made me excited to read Lair. So would we recommend The Rats? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. As some kind of academic thing to look at how race and gender and all kinds of politics are dealt with in pulp 
fiction of the 1970s, yes. If I'm suggesting it to someone to read for fun, I would say absolutely not. No, yeah. I th- <laughs> <laughs> A really pregnant pause then for you, Cleves. For, for me, I'm aware of all the things which are wrong with it. and, uh, and <laughs> Oh, no, and, here we go. And how... I love it. Oh, I just... <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I found it... I thought it was charming. <laughs> no, I found it fun to read. I don't know if I'd recommend it to anyone because they might may think that that's the kind of stuff I get off on, um, which I, <laughs> I secretly do. I found it more enjoyable and horrific than the stuff yeah. which we've covered so far. So for me, mm, okay. this has been my the, my favourite thing we've covered so far. Uh, are you on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> that is the most outrageous thing I've ever heard you say, Cleves. But if we all agreed, it'd be a rubbish podcast, wouldn't it? Oh my God, that is demented. <laughs> on that bombshell. Uh, like... <laughs> Oh my god! It's got a scene where a man has a revelation, sat on the toilet. <laughs> That's where I have all my revelations. His epiphany is reading graffiti, <laughs> raising one arm from round his eyes. He whispered the, the words. His voice spoke them, but his brain did not understand. The end. Come on, Ross. I'm not saying it's well written. I'm not saying it's a well written book. I'm just saying okay. I enjoyed okay. it. That's good. That's good. I think there are pulp stories you can enjoy, and I think there's just badly written, shoddy rubbish, and I think this is really badly written, shoddy rubbish. And I I just, I cannot, I honestly can't believe that this went to print. Sorry to interrupt, Ross here, just doing a quick plug. Did you know that we do a range of General Witchfinders t-shirts? Go to generalwitchfinders.com, buy a shirt and help support the show. Thanks. So, coming up next, here's some stuff of us talking about the stone tape from Nigel Neal, uh, who turned out to be uh, our podcast favourite, pretty much. There's so much Nigel Neal. The next episode, well, the episode this was meant to be was um, Nigel Neal's adaptation of The Woman in Black, so hopefully you'll hear that soon. But um, yeah, James, memories of, of uh, the Stone well, Tape days. The one that I don't think we spoke about at the time, and now it's a, because often when we do these things, we, we get caught up in the, in the ebb and flow, the hustle and bustle of listening to each other. And there's often things which I go into the podcast thinking, I must say this, or I've written yeah, it down. Let's talk about the crankies yeah, and yeah. stuff. <laughs> and then get, get onto such exactly weighty matters such as the crankies, uh, or last of the summer wine. Um, <laughs> And in this instance, with the stone tape, my first memory of it was back during my time of working in Borders, the you know, behemoth of the early noughties, which was you know, a bookshop, but also sold music, far too expensively, uh, and <laughs> DVDs and VHS, because that was still mm-hmm. a thing. Um, my job when I started working there, when I was a postgraduate student, was to look after the new release videos and DVDs. And... The first thing I read is that often, uh, and again, in those wild early internet days, uh, you would still get things where the word would get around that a certain film, which had either been long out of print or controversial in some way, was being re-released. And on Mm. the release date, you would often get men who now probably look on reflection, probably look a bit like us. And yeah. I'm going, oh, have you, have you got this? Has, has, it, has it come in yet? Has it come in yet? And you'd have to go, oh, hang on a minute. Me and Nevsky are a little bit hungover 
from uh, drinking pints of turbo shandy the nights be- the night before. Um, did, did you ever, ever have a pint of turbo shandy, Ross? No. What's the turbo a pint shandy? Of turbo shandy, dear listener. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's uh, it's incredible conco- concoction. It consisted of uh, half a pint of lager, usually Foster's, and yeah. then the other half was a Smirnoff ice. Oh, lovely! Which gets you drunker. Oh my! The the effect was catastrophic. Who 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 discovered? I have this? no idea. Some genius. <laughs> he should have been involved with the space program. That's some like, lab somewhere exactly. And yeah. all I, I can tell you is it, it would get you heroically drunk. But the next... Could you buy that over no, the bar? Yes. Yes, you could. You could actually you, ask for yes, a turbo shandy. Yes, you could. In, in the places okay, where the, I was... Next time we go out, we're going to ask well, no, for no, now shandy. they won't know. Kids today, they won't know, Ross. When I've made it since, when I went to Ultimate Power, uh, the, the Power Ballads Night, which I love... Uh, I don't think we've ever spoken about that on the podcast, but I like I make myself a turbo shandy. I will say to dear barman please can i have these two and then i can mix them together so much shandy um and all i would say is not only does it get you heroically drunk but even if you brush your teeth the next morning when you wake up your teeth feel like geological ages have occurred over them there is mm. stri- it feels like a strata over your teeth anyway i can smell smirnoff ice ah, now there you are <laughs> i can remember when going to jumping jacks with my brother and it was like <laughs> the drinks will go up after this point so get down point, yeah yeah, just get like loads of like Smirnoff ice and put them all along a, a shelf, and the people that take it in turns of guarding the shelf of Smirnoff ice. Imagine what what Proust, uh, what memories, it, what uh, remembrance of things past would have been like if instead of enjoying uh, biting into some show pastry from his his adolescence, <laughs> he would have necked a bottle of Smirnoff ice. Yeah, yeah. Had a his <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, zut Are you ready? <laughs> anyway, so on these days, I would have you know it would be a Monday morning, and you would have obviously all the big releases would come out. Uh, but then you would have people come up to you going, oh, have you had any copies of this come in? And you didn't necessarily have to go through and say, oh, you had one or two. And this was my first instant, uh, occasion of running into it was that loads of people came in and said, have you ha- have you got the stone tape? Well, what the fuck is the stone tape when, it comes, when it's at mm. home? And, lo- and uh, on that day, two of the people that had come in and specifically asked for it said, oh, have you ever seen it? And I said, no, 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 really. I'm not really into horror or things like that. Oh, my God, you've got to watch it. You've got to watch it. It's so... Uh, and these guys sort of went into rhapsodies about it. So that was my first experience of it. And then for years afterwards, I became aware that it, it's like a bit of a horror touchstone, isn't it? Loads of people refer to the stone tape. And I think, as we say in the episode, to the extent that now stone tape events even though, of course, ghosts aren't real. Sorry, everybody. The, the people that advocate for ghosts make out like... This is a scientific a theory. This is a scientific yeah. thing that you can do. Uh, so its cultural impact shouldn't be underestimated. And no. I was uh, I was suitably intrigued by it. And I also think it, this was one of the most... They're hilarious. The most hilarious ones we did just because of... So, it's one of the most fun episodes. Yeah, recorded, the, the yeah. acting chops that are on display in this one and some of the attitudes, which now, oh my God, if they put it on TV now, it would have one of those disclaimers. Warning, the program you're about to see was made in a, in a different time. And even though we do not condone <laughs> the views... How the woman is treated in this film. film. Um, <laughs> but we use She's a bit of a wet blanket. Exactly, well, so on and so forth. But yes... But yes... If you haven't seen the stone watch tape, it. watch good. it and and enjoy us um, 
shouting about you love it. Your country lads, you know the sound of rap bikes. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The guy and the guy. I want to put forward the hypothesis that the guy that owns the company, Mister Ryan, that you don't see, never see him. Yeah, is is the same Ryan that runs Ryanair. (laughs) (laughs) Because you at several points when they do go into a very strange Irish accent, he himself. Yes, um, it's implied that he's Irish. He is Irish. It's obvious that it's it's whoever runs uh, Ryanair. Ryanair. Which I thought that was confusing because. Like, did they imply that this was like a family homestead of of he himself? But he, but it they, wasn't they, an no. island. Oh no, no! In, in the open, in, in the opening, in the opening sequence, they kind of suggest that he has chosen it specifically to be the site for his research and development team, which is already straight away the most balmy thing you could ever imagine. Right? Okay, yes. cutting edge scientific research. Where should we do it? Should we do it in a bespoke laboratory? In a, in a, in a bespoke lab somewhere? Yeah. No, let's find an old, decrepit Victorian mansion and do it in up. Middle England Which somewhere. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time and money to, to to do up. Yeah. Well, they do mention that though, don't they? That a, a new build could have been done at a fifth of the price or something like that. Yes, I, I'm sure yeah. that's um, shoehorned into the the script. So this program begins with some incredibly, I would say, dated but also atmospheric. Electronic Sound music. Effects. I yes. love the music. I've written great intro. Non-music music. 
with Jane Asher driving. What car is it, John? It's an Austin Maxi. I've got a theory about this already, based entirely upon the gearbox of the Austin Maxi. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, she basically gets freaks out by parallel parking, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she can't, like, really, like, she gets trapped between two reversing trucks and just goes, <laughs> and then reverses into a sand, in, into like a, a pile of yeah. sand. A pile of sand. But go so on, they, John, what's, what's the theory about the gearbox? Well, the Austin Maxi famously had a cable-operated gearbox, which mm-hmm. I I have suffered in. Uh, I had a Morris eighteen hundred, which had the same gearbox. So not the actual gearbox. What you the gear change was was remotely operated with cables rather than the more conventional rod type change on a forward mm-hmm. on a front wheel drive car, and. To get that car into reverse was absolute hell on earth. And I think this is what, you know, it starts a day off badly. That's what's triggered Jane Asher. Yeah, (laughs) she can't get the bastard Maxi into reverse because these two trucks, they're coming together, basically, don't they? If it was a POV shot, it looked Mm. like her eyesight was going in and out of focus as well. But she just couldn't handle that (laughs) sci-fi logo for Ryan Electric. We are then introduced to, um, along with Jane Asher, the protagonist of the piece, who it it takes you ages for them to tell you what his actual name is. It's Peter, isn't it? And I've just written down, Cad. (laughs) He's a cad. And what I felt was he came across as a character that could have been played by either either of the guys from Inside Number 9. Yeah, it it is Reshear Smith in a a wig. Totally. Hang on. But Steve Pemberton could have done it as well. And he for, he kind of spends the entire film, and this is the most remarkable thing about it, Reece Shearsmith For the benefit Smith, of Pemberton. the tape, I'm pointing to Reese Shearsmith. <laughs> yeah, doing like one of his voices like this. That's right. Yes. He spends his entire time in this state. He's kind of constantly in a state of emotional crisis. <laughs> Don't you know what we're doing here? Even when he's happy. He's, he's yeah. Team God, 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 just get on with it. But he seems Science. to be incredibly attractive to women, as which we were. For so, yes, for someone incredibly... who is about two feet tall, tall, um, <laughs> he's shorter than everyone else in the entire cast. He makes up with volume, <laughs> like yourself, so, John. You are... <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then for me, what's interesting is that there's about 10 different classic cars that just come on. <laughs> uh, like Miss World contestants. So there's a there's a Humber Estate, there's a, a Pagoda Merc, I think there's a Hillman Lovely. Avenger or something as well. Um, so it's a nice... It, it works as a bit of social history now as well as just an intro. It's like getting into a warm bar for you, John, wasn't it? Straight away, you start with some radiophonic workshop. You recognise the characters like they're old friends. There's a load of old cars. And then you go straight into a nice studio set, which I think... Oh, in... but before that, well, though. Before, we, before, before that. That, was that. Before that. To be honest, my notes are very sparse right. for this because I enjoyed watching it so much. I've just written, like, names. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, before that, the, the, then the rest of the uh, the crazy gang turn up. But yeah, for me, I... which is one of the most... This bit was one of the most disturbing parts of it, where they pull out the, the guy dressed as the Martian. Oh yeah! Out of the back of the car. I totally forgotten that part. What? What? Why is well, that? <laughs> right. What I've what I've written on my on my notes is oi oi dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it seems to be that as we all know, if you say okay, what what groups are, are best known for their incessant laddish banter? I'd say <laughs> a load of blokes on an eighteen thirty holiday Football in Magaluf. Fans. 
and yeah, and a load of rugby players. In third place, research scientists. They're absolutely, never mind, you know, like the kind of the academic veneer of research science. They all just turn up and they're all just. Often I'm seeing things on oh, these things I want to go. dress up as. I want to, <laughs> I want to dress up as the Ryan Electric's Martian. And I want to be transported <laughs> somewhere in the back of a car and then sort of for dragged no down. Yeah. Is, it, yeah. um, is, it, is it the mascot for a very bad football team? No. It, it's like quite Cyril disturbing. If you, if you watch that out of um, context, the, the bit where they make him, <laughs> they drag him to his knees in front of Michael <laughs> Bryan, it looks like some really disgusting sex act is about to be taking place in that car park. We then get the kind of the explanation, which for me was just like, this is so mad. And you know, for, we'll, we'll get on to like how you know the, the great idea of the stone tape and how that's kind of permeated into culture now but you yeah. have to stop and go now wait a minute now is once again as <laughs> mentioned at, at the top of this podcast it's a research lab in an old victorian home yes but, and then he says right guys you know you know what you're gonna be working on you know what you're <laughs> you know in, in his state of permanent frenzy and anger Every, every single the, says they all kind of go. The inflatable sex dolls at this point are a bit off-putting, aren't they? Pretty much. But he says, "You know what? We're, you know what we're after, lads. We want Wagner's ring cycle on a ball bearing." <laughs> 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 which, which I've written down, and I put, "Ah, uh, the sweet naive seventies." Let's butter their paws. Lift. Soon to operate. I hope my office is up there and very palatial. Of course, Ooh. a wabby boss. Yeah. Reception desk with Sergeant Patterson. Sergeant, get to know these faces. Hmm? I know some already, sir. (laughs) Here on, we're secret. So no chums in, no parties in the canteen, which, by the way, is through there and extremely decent. And working. Lose that way, also working. Right, follow me. Follow me. Soon there'll be two others like it to spread into. And if that's not enough, there are 500 acres outside. Who else is coming here? Nobody. Just us. But it's enormous. We'll get bigger. I'll expand the team with people I choose, hand-picked, the best. Same as you're the best. Aye, flattery, Pete. Get some other places. Yeah. This lot. Absolutely fantastic. (laughs) What about the others? The washing machine crowd. Here. Forget it. What, that lot here? No! Can't you get it through your heads? Your special, incredible as that may seem, you are. (laughs) I'll spell it out for you. This place is ours. It is all for us. Because we are on the big one. Do you want a pep talk? Is that what you want? About the Japs. He's a bit simple. He's brilliant, but simple. Cliff, it is always (laughs) about the Japs. In ten years' time, they're going to have us by... Whatever part of our anatomy they pick, there will be no electronics industry anywhere in the world but theirs, unless... I think we've got a good chance. We've only got one chance. We've got to play a card so high they can't top it. Ah, so! A completely new recording medium. Have here in honourable pocket. Oh, shut up, Stuart. Oh, what about tape? Tape's finished. Well, it's still in No, its day is done. Magnetic tape is compact, responsive. All the sales shut-up says it is. Also, delicate... I'm prone to lose its memory. Like Clifford here. (laughs) As you so rightly say. Now, it's time, gentlemen, for a breakthrough. Just record me, say, the whole of Wagner's ring cycle inside a ball bearing, with instant playback, of course. (laughs) Can you give it to lunchtime? (laughs) And you can name your own royalties. Oh, it is royalties, then. Yep. Forget about bonuses. You'll be right in there. Got his word on it. Himself? Yesterday. 
Just put the boots in old Nippon, is how he delicately phrased it. So if you want to be millionaires, it's a crash program. Find the medium, everything else follows. Hardware? We'll take the lot. Computers, TV, home recordings, satellites, they all follow. Then Ryan Electrics becomes Ryan International, becomes Ryan Interspatial. It's up to you. Hats off to Nigel Neal for saying, look, they were trying to make music smaller, looking for mm. a new kind of digital way, but they didn't even have the vocabulary to say digitized no. music at that point. But still, that's what they're supposed to be working on. But yeah. then what their lab set up is just so, like, there's no that's sound the equipment. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're introduced to beautiful doll-like Jane Asher in a lovely mm. suit, comes in. She looks absolutely amazing. I can't tell if she's got a wig on or not. Her hair looks very kind of bouffant and and, and um, quaff. I'll write that to the, to the wig spreadsheet for all our episodes. <laughs> well... I, Michael Bryant, he is the king toupe wearer in this. Um, <laughs> like his toupe is absurd in this, and you see it in very in many different states of dishevelment. Um, but I just thought this bit where they go into this room—it's quite a cool set. Again, Peter Sasley kind of excels himself here. Nice high some, window. Yeah, yeah, there's some really nice kind of crane shots looking down. The, and, for, the... and, and for someone who's had to put fake cobwebs on lots of different places, there was a very good <laughs> fake cobweb hanging off of a, a light, light bulb. bulb. Yeah. yeah. So you've got this good kind of, um, it's a bit like the light bulb in Psycho, actually, when you see, when you finally go into the basement and you see the, the mother in the basement, there's, there's this, she's partially obscured by this light bulb in the one shot. And it reminded me of that. But anyway... We've got Michael Bryant going in and then just kicking the shit out of a wall oh, yeah, yeah. for no reason. So he's Get in his, he's in like this absurd like seventies like safari suit kind of getter, <laughs> um, uh, with like a suede jacket on. And he looks like he's coming from King's Road, and then he just kicks the shit out of the wall for no reason. <laughs> we just uh, fed up with these um these country builders. Yeah, country bumpkins can't come in and like what are they meant to do to this room anyway? It looks like kick, a bloody kick the wall down. um it looks like a uh, like a some part of an abbey or something. It's obviously much older than the rest of the house yes. is meant to be. I've written main guy is annoying and shouty. Um yes. and then how I think that's what that's the review of our, our podcast, Josh. <laughs> 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 So that bit is actually quite scary. I listen to it uh, with headphones on, and the oh. scream when it comes into your headphones is really horrible. Mm. Um, but then I did find it annoying that straight away we go straight into Jane Asher just being like a hysterical woman. Yeah. And I was expecting someone to like, slap just her. slap yeah. her in the face. Put yourself together, woman. Do you know what I'm here to do? <laughs> Quick, building the future. Or, yeah, you know. we've got to fight the Japs. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and so much stuff now. So so much culturally insensitive comments about Japanese people. Inane stupidity. Isn't it? Oh really? god, it's dreadful. But then yeah, following that, when while she's kind of oh you know I've had a funny turn, I've seen a ghost. I've just put overwhelming amounts of beige in the next scene. <laughs> yeah, there's so a lot much of beige. beige. It, what, a lot of beige. Costumes. Yeah. The room itself. It's just, just oh. The seventies were just beige. beige, and then yeah. at one point he's kind of done out a pad for himself in Ooh. the oh, I in love the that. place, isn't I, he? Yeah, I, I think that inspired me to have this weird dream about um, oh, <laughs> turning a, a bowling alley into like a into like a seventies <laughs> flat. 
I just thought it was just so opulent. His his sort of flat stroke office, but it seemed totally divorced from the building that, that he was in. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. and and he's like, yeah, I've done all this up. I'm, I've put some shelves in. And yeah. it's like that's all you've done. You put some shelves up. Yeah, but, do you like the shelves? But imagine, you know, this this guy again, like James was saying, they yeah. they are someone who's there to develop a new recording format. Mm. Yeah. He said, part of this, I want to have this massive penthouse um, flat <laughs> built for myself. <laughs> with art Even in though, it. Did, did they suggest that the, other, the, the, the rest of the research team was staying there? Yes. Uh, well, I okay. don't know. I might be getting confused because I've also listened to the recent audio oh. one. And they all, they've got like bunks and stuff in there as well. Well, oh. Ian Cuthbertson just seems to live in a porter cabin outside. Well, like, a, no, yeah. like something out of Tanko. <laughs> Moving on from that, Jane Asher is trying to recover, and we we then cut to the pair of them having a seventies pub lunch. Love it, which was a magnificent scene. Number one, My just the representation scene. of a seventies pub. One pound eighty for two pints and and two plowmans. Cheers. Cheers. I believe it's been made very nice. Do you know it? Well, I used to, sort of. You went there. Not actually in. It was during the war when the Yanks were there. I was a good time girl. Hooray <laughs> for you. Yes. Well, why not? They was nice boys. And the nylons. Did they talk about it? About the house? Mm. It was all generals and people. Some in quarters. Eisenhower was there once. No, I mean, what it was like inside? No, no. Very posh, I expect. Oh, there was one boy. He was a proper caution, he was. He said, Oh, now let me think. Oh, dear. He had all them funny words, you see. He was a coloured boy. Oh. Oh, I know. Guppy. He said there were guppies in the store where he worked. <laughs> guppies are fish. Tropical. <laughs> oh, dear. Duppies? He must have meant rats. You don't know, Alan? Tuscaloosa's full of rats. He used to play up there when I was a kid. Oh, yes. You and that Jackie. Yes, old Jackie. They've got four people working behind the bar. <laughs> In, in, in a pub that you can literally get six people in. <laughs> yeah, but a set which I, you see for about three minutes, a lot of work put into that. Yeah, this is what I thought, is that this whole production looks... Uh, it's ridiculous to say it now because it doesn't compared to something like The Crown or whatever. But it looks really lavish because there's scenes in it where the sets are in it for one scene. Yeah, like the, yeah. the, like the vicar's... Um, House? Yes. Yeah. The manse. Loads yeah. of work put on that for, for no reason. These days, it would be just... You'd think that they'd be like, oh, can we just do this scene, like... Yeah, even corridor. outside. Yeah. Even outside. Or just, yeah. Someone visits and they mention it in a corridor or something. But they have a whole scene in a pub. The pub looks amazing. I want to go to that pub now and, and spend time with those yokels. Because we're in lockdown. I've been really, <laughs> really craving going to a pub today. <laughs> What would you um, have to eat and drink if you went to a pub, Cleve? Plowman's or a cider. Ooh. Ooh. Not like... Cheesy chips. 
So they're in the pub. The woman behind the bar has got a very frilly pink top on, hasn't she? And then mm. she buggers off. And then another woman comes over and is like, oh, I was a good time girl in the... In yes. The, with the US in the war. Army. In the war. And it's like, hang on, you look like you're about 10 in the war. She only looks about 45. I've been trying to think of a better way to put this, but I don't think there is a more delicate way to put it, quite frankly. But what I've just put is, is barmaid outs herself as a slag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. I mean, it's like, a less genteel way of putting it, but yeah. Well, all the local yeah. people are, are, are shown as being mentally deficient in some way. Yeah, yeah. In, but that's that was, you know, bearing in mind you know, one of the things that we're kind of interested in is like folk horror and that whole thing. But that was, for me, one of the scenes where it kind of touched on folk horror. That whole thing of going to a pub yeah. out of the way and things aren't quite right. Mm. Yes. And, the, and the, the, there's um... a legend. There is a local legend involved with this place. Yeah, everyone knows about that house. Some slow lad comes out and he's looking a bit shifty about. And more, yeah, more on him later. (laughs) Having been told that there's obviously something strange about the house and all all the rest of it, rats in the walls, uh, possibly. Yeah, um, something strange and it don't look good. They (laughs) go and decide to go and talk to the local vicar, Mm. who is the most traditional English country vicar. Uh, you know, absolutely Apart on from the money. Derek Nimmo. Yes, he's he's cut from the same cloth. Literally. Yeah. But when he, I've I've written down that that he then kind of gives and says, oh yes, you know, gives them more information about the house. But he then also says exorcism in the weirdest way, exorcism. He says exorcism, <laughs> which I've written down. I was like, yeah, all right, mate, okay, fine. And he says, yes, you know, there was an exorcism that that kind of took took place at the house. So extra kind of drama. We then cut back to Peter's kind of swank pad. Shag pad. With shag pad within the house. And he's on the phone to his wife, his long-suffering wife, who, again, like Mr. Ryan, you never see. But the best bit is, is that we find out he's talking about their daughter and that their horse is called Chuffy. <laughs> and I yeah. just thought that was the best thing ever. Oh, how's Chuffy? <laughs> how's Chuffy? Is this when he says... What did the vet say? And then he, you don't hear what the vet says. And then he just goes, <laughs> <laughs> He laughs for about 20 minutes. You know that he, he said he's going to be put down. Um, mm. We've got to point out, and it's obvious, but for some people, everything's done analog here. So we're talking yeah. big reel-to-reel tape machines, yeah. big microphones, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff, which I love. A massive uh, space trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> that is the best bit. That was the... <laughs> I put, for later on, I said, this whole thing just reminds me of a prog rock gig. There's there's too many people on stage. There's a lot of very expensive looking or big electrical equipment. And there's someone walking around with like a big comedy oversized trumpet. I I did expect Peter Gabriel to come in at one point dressed as a daisy. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, so having having heard all this, right, he then goes, right, kind of Peter goes, right. Abandon the research project. We're now going to do this. And I <laughs> yeah. thought, would Mr. Ryan be okay with We're this? Prove you know, there's of... a ghost in ghost. here. We're going to do yeah. it. Come on. <laughs> <You> know, gotta... <laughs> but this is all within the narrative of the thing as well. This is all like within a day of them arriving there, isn't it? Yeah. There's like, there's no feel of time. Well, no, no. I, I felt it was longer really. than that because when you oh, first okay. see him in, in Peter's flat, it's all boxed up. Uh, and when you see it later okay. on, he's moved in. So yeah. I had the feeling that time had passed. Yeah, okay. But if nothing else, a week if nothing else. But his toupee but, hadn't uh, moved at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, 
they come somehow they come to the conclusion that that they reckon that the the room itself has recorded some event yes, which yes. is being played back yeah uh and they if i'm jumping ahead too far here let me know but they, you are but they are are saying that it's the human beings are part of that that's why they stop recording on the tape but they yeah. need the human there in order to uh play back what's coming out of the out of the stones um, well they're like the playhead on a on a tape machine yeah. aren't they it's it's they they are the 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 live part of the yeah so they think interaction if we could work out how this works we we could potentially um have uh this would be the the new recording medium and then they start yeah. he, there's a bit where they're celebrating he's running around and like Twicking people's ears and saying, "Hold on, yeah, because I was going to say I'm that." Like, and then he twiddle, yes! he tweaks Jane Ash's boobs. And Nipples. Says, porn, porn, porn channel, channel one, one. And porn channel two, porn channel two. Which is, Again, she... very inappropriate now. Yeah. Uh, but... It's inappropriate then, James. I, think. <laughs> I know, I know. But I mean, uh, that whole thing. Is I... One of two women, and I know one of the, the, the barmaids bar as mate. well. But yeah, yeah, two women at the um at the facility. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, one's in bed with him, and the other he's had an affair with. All we found out so far from this podcast is that the seventies was a time of rampant paedophilia and, <laughs> and just the signing off as of perversion at the highest yes. level. Yeah, and, but, absolutely. So, uh, we'll put this on Christmas Day. He says, "Book time on the central computer." Yeah. Like, does it? Where is it though? It's like in. Wait, does he say it's, it's in, in Houston? somewhere else? It's, it's somewhere else or Houston or something like that. It's but their computers—they don't have screens on their computers. Everything's typed into like a typewriter, and then yeah. it comes up on paper. paper. So, and it's so fucking loud. Like, and all it says is four far four queen of the south one <laughs> QPR three. Uh, <laughs> it's basically just the football results. Oh, having to spell out seven S E V E. <laughs> I, I I know that the sound was meant to be getting more and more overwhelming. Yes, yeah. so if you're listening to this on headphones next to your sleeping wife, as I was, yeah, it's just like this is so loud. <laughs> this is, yeah, it was very loud. But then, yes, yeah, so yeah. then they try and bring the ghost back by like having the big space trumpet. And they bring in from one of the the, the multitudes of people yeah. that, that work in the pub. They they bring like the guy who played there as a kid. Right, and basically, once again, Pete Fred just bullies West. him. And I put, was the main, the the main way of of extracting information in the nineteen seventies just out and out bullying? Yeah, this was. <laughs> yeah, this is still. It is. Yeah, yeah. I know Sapphire and Steel was early eighties, but still, I thought it's that whole kind of the Sweeney vibe, isn't it? It's just like you want to get some information out of someone, just just, just rough them up. Yeah. It's it's violently antig- antagonistic. Yes. The guy, so the guy is just doing them a favour. No, but yeah. yeah special, he's going to go, he? he's going up to the castle or whatever the hell it is. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to go and help, help out those nice, <laughs> nice technology people that have moved yeah. into the yeah. castle. Then a he four foot in, ten man comes up to him. <laughs> and he's just but shouting <laughs> in his face. Do it, do it, tell me. <laughs> uh, James, do the line. Okay, and then I had to write it down because it made me... I, I hate the phrase laugh out loud, but I truly did laugh out loud when I watched it. So yeah. he starts kind of saying, come on, tell us more, tell us more, to, to this poor guy. And he's like, no, no, I don't, know, I don't want to do it. And he went, oh, it was just rats. It was just rats. rats. And he walls. went, come on, it wasn't just rats. You're a country lad. You know what rats sound like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on. You're a country lad. You know what rats <laughs> sound, sound like. That like. he was in Lair, I imagine. It's all part of <laughs> oh, they were. all part of the, the Herbert Nigel Neal joint <laughs> universe. They are themes of rodents. So after after the doll scene, we then get onto the bit that Ross mentioned before, which I've just put Yeah! Ghosts! Let's go mental! Yeah. <laughs> because they just figure out that in some way, because that you know you can encode information into stone, maybe stone will be the the uh, recording device of the future. And they he then just kind of Peter just whips them up into a frenzy about it. Have a massive it. party! Yes, come on! This is it. We have worked out how to this do it. This is it. The big one. It, the yeah. big one. And he's like, "I'm waiting for the penny to drop here. Come on, you idiots! <laughs> come on, can you see?" And it's like, "Well, no, you can't." And I've put down, "How on earth do you monetize this?" Yeah. And he just says... In the oh, audio version, they're saying, yeah. someone's going to him, you, you can't put your records on a slab. And he goes, what are you going to do? Turn the slab over. when you, and he, and <laughs> you can't get all that information onto this one big bit of rock. And he's going, oh, you know, you've got to stop thinking now. You've got to think of the future. You know, some, someone get, showed you a vinyl record and said, we're going to put oh. this on, on that. You wouldn't have believed it. And, and, oh, but it's, um, man. Nah, it it's a good scene, though. kind of shoddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to talk about a book in a minute, which is the process of the BBC making things in the, in the 70s okay. and 80s. A lot of this, I can imagine them just like rehearsing this in some rehearsal room somewhere. And they like, and the whole idea of party scene. Okay, what are we going to do in order to get everyone like wolf whistling and shouting and like and, and like teasing yeah. and like, all the actors getting really excited about all the all the little bits of business they could do in these little scenes and stuff. He pushes it so far that he wipes the tape. He wipe, Bryant manages to wipe off the haunting, which they, they all got there. Is it Eloise or something like that? Is that her name? I can't remember. But the vicar I then talks remember. about a exorcism. Exor- and he yeah. talks about the exorcism, but he mentions an older exorcism. There was another yes. exorcism in the past. So this is these events have been happening, repeating over time. Yeah. And that's what, that where they get the idea that maybe there is... An, an older An older, creature. more malevolent force, yeah. At, at this point, I, I was reminded again of uh, Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans. <laughs> Uh, where it's a touchstone for this show. For it, it is. He o- one day we'll have him on. He often mentions the stone tape theory within mm. Ghost Adventures itself. He often uses a temperature sensor, which is used within this program. And in an episode where they go to Cleaver, you would absolutely love this episode. It's the most insane episode ever, where they go and investigate. I think it's a ranch which is called Stardust Ranch. Yeah. Something like that. I saw you t- t- tweeting someone about this the other day. I was, t- I was tweeting David Llewellyn about it. It's, it's an episode where they go and investigate this ranch and you don't know whether they're investigating ghosts or aliens. And I don't think they know either. No. But there is a sequence where the guy that lives there claims to have beheaded three aliens with a samurai sword. <laughs> um, and the reason why I bring this episode up is that at the end of this episode, they use this subsonic sound stuff to try and bring out the ghosts within this guy's house and the aliens that have been sexually abusing his wife um, <laughs> while, while she levitates. That The effect of the subsonic sound makes Zach Bagans... <laughs> Go a bit weird, and he threatens one of the one of his fellow ghost uh, investigators with the same samurai sword that was used to behead the three greys. It's it's an absolutely towering hour. Oh, I've got to see this. Of, it's not an hour; it's forty minutes. Oh. 
We're, we're building up to the climax now. They've all gone mad. Flashing lights. They're all screaming with their hands over their ears. He, he has to bring up Michael O'Leary from Ryanair and, and say, <laughs> it's not worked. <laughs> oh, sorry. I got a bit ahead of myself. I, but I swear I we're on it. I did love him in that point where he's sat in his dressing gown and his toupee's all... Uh, <laughs> his cute. toupee looks like Ernie Wise's toupee. <laughs> That's, it just Can you see the ridiculous. joint? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the washing machine man comes and takes over their, their lab. Yeah, of course. And it's all gone to shit for everyone. There's a chap who's younger than us, who looks older than us, who, <laughs> who's in the Tenko shed. <laughs> Ian Cuthbertson. Yeah, he has an argument with him. He has an argument with him, doesn't he? Yeah, Yeah. to say, like, like, I know you fancy her. You can have her now because I'm not interested anymore. (laughs) Because I've got a new bit of stuff. (laughs) He he tells... I've got a new coffee-making receptionist. He sends Jane Ash off on a two-month sabbatical because money's no object in the... uh, (laughs) In the 70s. In the 70s. Go to your union, you stupid woman. (laughs) Tell Barbara Castle... You've got seatbelts. What more do you want, you stupid cow? <laughs> and then I'm thinking of carrying up your convenience now. Carrying up, <laughs> carrying at your convenience. Then he starts sleeping with someone else. But then <laughs> something happens, and then she she goes back into to the room, into the room, it's the haunted room. And then but this is my are. favorite part of the whole thing, mm. where there's oh. a, a massive. 70s psychedelic ghost experience experience yeah. with lots of like weird oh, first of all, she sees the two things which was like for me the best the best bit I when it looks like there's two part, two yeah. red eyes yeah. yes it oh, looks yeah. like there's two red eyes I thought oh that's cool but then that's they started really moving around well done. Mm. but if they would have just kept them as the two red eyes I think yeah, it would have been way more effective when they started moving I didn't like it but oh, when they're yeah. just there yeah. in front of her I can imagine seeing that myself and really filling my pants yeah. at that yeah. point yeah. because yeah. it's like it just does look to like two eyes basically mm. yeah and the, the the red lights lead her into the or, the or chase her into the haunted room yeah lots of radio radio photo workshop go absolutely yeah. nuts but really horrifying sounds as well like really yes. deep kind of like I've got to try and get these sounds into the podcast now <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
the stairs are actually leading somewhere now. No longer yeah, are they yes. just leading into the to nothing. To nothing. They're leading up onto a roof or something. She climbs. Yeah. It looks like a Stonehenge type of yeah, monument it's, vibe. It's going quite hard in, to tell because it's so low, low fidelity. Low, but, yeah. Um, yeah. It is a, a, like a monolith, isn't it, that she mm. climbs to the top of. But there's a point where she grabs the handle on the wall and the wall yeah. moves by about two feet because it's obviously made of paper. Yeah, but she's, Which... also, she's very upset about it. <laughs> and, and she climbs up and then she falls off and dies. Falls off and dies. So at this point, I was questioning, like, what she's seeing? Is this like a corrupted recording of some kind of horrible... Yeah, because later on at this point, they mentioned 7,000 years ago, don't they? That she has worked That's out. That's right, yeah. I don't know how she's worked it out. But Just by typing it into the typewriter. Yeah, <laughs> basically. 444, Queen of the South, one. <laughs> South Ancient <laughs> malevolent alien 7,000 years Seven? ago. S-E-V-E-N. Heart of the Midlothian. Midlothian. Yeah, so is that like a horrible, corrupted memory? of A bit like when in Star Trek The Motion Picture, the transporter beams get mixed together. Do you remember that part? That's the most horrifying part of the whole film. We got something back here, Captain. Thankfully, it didn't live long. Because it's it's the it's yeah it's just blob, oh, the screaming noise. So it's like it's almost as bad as the the uniforms of that film. <laughs> yeah, and the makeup on Spock as well. Hi, it's Ross from the General Witchfinders. Did you know that I also do another podcast with my friend David? Hello. No, I had phones before that. You're not taking this seriously, Ross. David and I do our own supernatural research and investigations in our home county of Dorset. So, if you think that's up your street, why don't you give it a listen? It's Dark Darset, D-A-R-Z-E-T. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. It's not that. <laughs> so, next up is a satanic... Rites of Dracula, right. which I think we mainly talk about architecture in, yes. in this episode, uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and how dirty London was in the nineteen seventies. Oh. Now, this is the and, one that and, you and, hated, wasn't it? Oh, I didn't hate it. I just, hmm. I thought it just, I just thought it looked ugly. Oh, but I think you guys, well, I, um, it was out of all the hammers that we've done. It was the hammer that I that we, and the Draculas we've done. That's that was one that I thought was the coolest. That was the one that I enjoyed the most and had. I, even though big Chris Lee literally having two lines again and hanging out in center point, isn't he? Or, or yeah. wherever he is. But uh, yeah, I think that was sort of the beginning of the cult of big Chris Lee in many ways. I think it was. I yeah. Think. And I think, and it's also the, uh, there was apparently a, um, a, a, a homage you can go and do to go and visit a lot of the, um, the locations in, in this one. Uh, I, I've been recommended and been given the address for the next time I go to London to go and get my photograph taken by the, uh, uh, the particular skyscraper, which is uh, Dracula's HQ, yeah. um, but I, I, I'm often too drunk. If I do go to <laughs> London, I get a bit too drunk, I'm afraid. Um, but I will do it one day. We oh, all go together. It's like a spy movie point. as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah, a spy yeah. movie. Yeah, and it just got us talking about um, Savile and <laughs> David e. Travis and all that. All the covers up. Um, I had a new. I've, I've uh, 
halfway through a new tattoo. Oh my god, you've gone mad now! Oh, yeah. what, what, yeah. what have you got? Show, show me your arm. Show it. Uh, it's, it's Black Philip from um, the. Oh, oh yeah, so it is. That looks like it's finished. So, like, uh, it needs to be filled in, but you're gonna fill it in. Don't mind. leave it like that. Uh, is everyone saying that? But I'm gonna fill it. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Uh, the whole time the guy was doing that, he was just telling me about um, how uh, COVID was a conspiracy. Oh no! No, no, yeah. no. I'd see I'd have to stop and get someone else to finish it. Yeah, but Because now every you know, time you're gonna look at that tattoo, you're gonna think oh, I had this done by someone who's basically on the same side as the Fred. Yeah. Yeah. The Freds. But my argument to, to him was that the, the NHS can't even set up their IT properly. Mm. How on earth it has some like underground cabal? done some kind of massive worldwide conspiracy and the guys you know, all it, and the, the tattooist was saying all it takes is three people oh, fuck off. the man with the idea the man with the money and i can't remember what the third one was and i was like yeah well but no it took, took more than three people to if if covid was a conspiracy it would take more than yeah. three people to anyway, run out. Despite, and also humble brag here it turns out one of my former students was part of the team that helped create astrazeneca ah and I can tell you for a fact that he is definitely, definitely not part of the globalist cabal. And he, no. he can explain the science to you as <laughs> to so what yeah. he did. But anyway, uh, you know, these people I said, no, no, number one, they love it when a complex world is shown to be very simple. Number two, they love it when very uh, complex motivations are boiled down to simple understandings of black and white, right and wrong, good and bad. And mm. number three, they love it when they feel that they have uncovered some super secret truth, which that and mm. this makes them special and different from everybody else. But but I would mm. say if COVID was invented by Dracula, <laughs> oh, that's it, right. <laughs> I I would fucking love it. What, what, if yeah. Chris Lee was behind it. Yeah, he came on TV. It was just, Good evening. It was just his revenge because he was just fed up and losing the yeah. whole time, and um, just wanted to take everyone yeah, out, that was give good. everyone a cough. That, that, that was yeah. good. That was a good plotline. There's some good stuff in this one, guys. Honestly, if, you, if, you, if you're going to watch one, uh, if, if you're going to watch a Dracula Bat, uh, Dracula Batman, <laughs> a Hammer. <laughs> I've only had half a glass of wine. If you're going to watch a Hammer Dracula, I definitely, definitely say Dracula AD yeah. Not, no, no. Satanic Rise of Dracula. Yeah. Well, as I would say, Dracula 1872. Ross likes that one. Yeah. It's got a really good coach fight at the beginning. Get that bush! I think I was just doing the music from Twins of Evil then. Anyway. Enjoy. Enjoy Satanic Rites of Dracula. We've returned to the track grave. <laughs> returned from the grave <laughs> to the oeuvre of Hammer, a vampire film. To the c- warm and c- cuddly embrace of Hammer. Because I remember, John, you saying, oh, God, you know, if you've not seen it, you'll love it. And all I'll say is it lived up to the billing. Oh, I yeah. thought it was absolutely superior to Dracula AD 1972 oh, in I every way. Strongly disagree. Well, I, th- Here we I go, then. think, James, that I, on in retrospect now, do potentially agree with you save for a few minor technical things like i didn't think the music was as good and i and and the photography potentially wasn't quite as good even though it was actually much better than i remembered as a film i think it could potentially be longer oh Oh, yeah yeah (laughs) easily i could have sat through two hours of this much more the spy stuff at the start and a bit more of a build-up 
though there was way more going on in this yeah yeah go, yeah, go yeah, on yeah, ross yeah, why yeah. did you hate it so much i yeah, didn't hate it just it was just ugly compared to it's the 70s i know it's ugly, but if, if we had um the oh, last dracula you. film we had the a similar journey through 70s london mm. but then it was like mm. full and interesting and, and kind of vibrant but you know with like cars with exhaust fumes at least those people around the beginning of this film just begins with very juddery pans around empty london that's cool yeah which i absolutely love it's really eerie that's eerie with that weird silhouette of of dracula just growing out of the corner of the screen which deserves to be on a (laughs) t-shirt and it will be on a t-shirt by the time this episode comes out ah i absolutely love the intro the the one thing that really startled me was that i lived in london for five years and then you know you recognize certain landmarks all the time but mm. then it, sh- it shows you like the one area and i was like what the bloody hell's that and then it, it pans to the right and it's st paul's and yeah, st paul's yeah, has been yeah, regenerated yeah. so much since yeah. the 1970s that i don't think that block's there anymore that they show you before kind of swinging right to st paul's so i enjoyed that that was good but in comparison to dracula eighty nineteen seventy two, which had that long kind of victorian kind of preamble yeah. bang straight into this one. straight into the empty gray Dirty streets yes. of London. Yeah, which, are which is what they were in the 70s. It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant setting. I, I, as soon as it started, I thought, God, this actually feels much more realistic, bizarrely, because it's a spy film thriller mixed with Dracula. It feels yeah. much more realistic than the awful dialogue at the start of Dracula AD 1972, where they're like, hey, I man. Missed, what was the name of the band? <laughs> The stone, stone ground. ground. Uh, I, <laughs> I just invited the stone ground, the stone mother. Ground, mother. I didn't invite the group. <laughs> I missed the youthful element of that. You missed Caroline Monroe writhing on the floor covered in blood. <laughs> what I would say, the thing that immediately appealed to me on this one, and mm. the thing that, that kind of stayed, stayed with me throughout, is that there is this now very long-held tradition in this country that people at the absolute top of society up to something yeah i love that right and it was it was mentioned in the screenplay the original hellfire club from the Mm, 1700s which really did exist yeah and then moving on through history into the you know into the 1800s and then the start of the 20th century the society of the golden dawn yeah with alistair crowley again Mm. very high-ranking people involved in black magic hijinks and then very recently it's reared its head again in, in this country anyway, I'm doing this for the, and what I'm about to say is for the benefit of people who may, may be listening to this overseas. Hello out there. Um, but in this country, we had a thing following the death of Jimmy Savile, and we, we found out his kind of like horrendous crimes that he perpetrated. A man came forward called Carl Beach. Yeah, I claimed, thought of all this as well, James. There you go, Joe, who said, I've been abused by a load of VIPs, yeah. a load of people in a very powerful position, including the um, Secretary of State for Health, yeah. The Secretary of State Minister for Portfolio for Defence, who was Leon Britton, and mm. the head of MI5, mm. which sounds eerily like the people that are involved in this. So I did yeah. think I was watching it. Did he watch this film? <laughs> but even if, even if he didn't, and it was called, yeah, Operation Midland, and the, the, the British police spent a lot of money kind of going after these guys, saying that you're involved in some kind of satanic mm. kind of worship cult. Of course, it all turned out to be absolute, you know, the work of a fantasist, and he's nuts and in prison now. Was this the stuff that was meant to have happened in Dolphin, yes. Dolphin Park Flats or something like that? Yes. Is that what it's called? All yeah, Dolphin that. Court, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. Featuring, he said at one point, one of the, like, he said things like, 
oh, there were three of us and we had to decide which one of us was going to be murdered. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, things like yeah. that. And, oh, uh, they were actually physically pinning poppies to our chests. Yes. During resi- and all of this kind <laughs> of stuff. we had to stuff. pick which three of us was going to be murdered. <laughs> oh, me, probably. I've got children. <laughs> I've got a cat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also, I thought of COVID as well, and we'll find out as the story Yes. develops that you know it's to do with uh, a, a plague a plague what's the word unleashed yeah per, per, perpetrated mm. uh against society as a way of just doing away with society yes uh, yeah. is that what covid is you know um no no <laughs> <laughs> we well, then cut to a, a chap with a moustache tied up in a bed Yes. Uh, then a man in a an Afghan magnificent fur-lined <laughs> waistcoat, the uniform of the henchman in this movie, yeah. isn't it? Very convenient of them. I wanted to call them Hell's Angels, but I didn't know what to call them. <laughs> but their uniform is kind of black, the man from milk tray outfit, turtleneck, teamed with maybe some dark shades, a handlebar moustache, and an Afghan waistcoat. One of them looked like Freddie Mercury, didn't he? <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I, th- I thought he looked like Matt Berry being Stephen Toast in Toast of London. And it really felt like, at certain scenes, it felt like a, like a Toast of London scene. It's a well, hell of a look. Like it. It's a hell it of a look. very true. One of them's in a computer room making a cup of coffee, whilst yeah. downstairs the, the VIPs are uh, indulging in a satanic ritual where yeah. uh, Ching Yang is about to slit the throat of a cock. A cock. And before we're introduced <laughs> to who the satanic disciples are. I just put down that they look like they're a parish council. <laughs> now, after the, after the dedication to Baphomet, <laughs> can we please decide who will be having the church hall for <laughs> D-Day weekend? Is it going to be the Rotary Club or is it going to be the Sea Scouts? Yes. Cinema throughout my lifetime has made me believe that I could get out of having my hands tied. <laughs> just wiggle around Anything a bit. up to. That's all, you know, for a yeah. prolonged period of time, just go like this for a while. Yeah. And sort of rub them together. Or and grab a, any sharp object and just rub it a little just bit. Rub it together. Yeah. Bang, you're out. Yeah, it's the same way that you can get a necklace off anyone just by giving it a little yank and it will come off their neck. What does that happen in Cleves? Every film. So people always have their necklaces. <laughs> Pulled off their neck, don't they? Not, not every film. <laughs> every film. Every film. <laughs> Remember, Citizen Kane. <laughs> Remember that scene in uh, Raiders Bellini's of the Lost Ark? Bellini's eight and a half. I bet it, it does happen in Raiders of the Lost Ark, actually. I might look, I'm going to look that oh, up. Does it? Probably. Someone, yeah. has a, someone has a necklace removed from their neck, don't they? <laughs> Was it my version of the film, or did it go to a w- really weird s- speed? Yeah, no, weird no, speed yeah, at that point. It, it was, it was, it was kind of a couple of times. It was kind of slowed that- down, wasn't slowed it? Slowed down, yeah, weirdly. I thought that was quite interesting, actually, that a, a, a directorial decision, or they didn't have enough footage that looked realistic. Like um, John Pertwee being strangled by the Nestine, as, as we've uh, discussed before. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the man was doing a bit of a John Pertwee. John, what episode was that? Well, it's the only it's the only story ever to be shot entirely on sixteen millimeter. Oh, would, that be, would that be Spearhead from Space? And that is the four episode monolith that is Spearhead from Space, <laughs> which will have to be covered. I think we should bring that in. I think we should bring it in. Yeah. Patreon special. But um, he, he runs out. He, he finds his way past the gate. I think. No, I can't no, he, he can't exactly get out the gate. He can't get out the gate because the, the guy on the motorbike comes on along. the motorbike. Oh, that's what happened. So he crashes into the the gate. Yeah. Brilliant stunt. I thought there was some great stunts in this. 
I don't know if it was Avakachini, maybe it was. Um, Derek Ware, rest in peace. He's chased by the hoodlums on the motorbikes. Uh, one is shot by a man in a Rover P5B with a... Uh, <laughs> you John would know what the car was. <laughs> with a silencer. Yeah. He crashes through the gate. It's a really good uh, it's stunt. It's a good stunt. I've found then... a cool stunt. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Then the next guy comes out and he's shot in the face. Through through his helmet, so he obviously had like a blood capsule yeah. in his mouth or something. At no point did anyone in the car get out of the car to help the chap. <laughs> they actually start driving away before he mm. gets in the car. That's what I liked. Well, in a bit, I noticed that they're, they're very light on health in what I can only describe as like some subsection of MI5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're basically just getting the information out of him. No one's giving him any medical help at no. all. Even None. the doctor. And then he's just who... like, yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That guy who was uncomfortable previously, he's just died. Dead. <laughs> he's not suffering anymore. Why? He's dead. Dead. <laughs> this part was William Franklin, who I think is the is the main masculine hero in this until he yes. gets killed an oh. hour in. Is, is he the guy who's got, for some reason, got his shirt unbuttoned to his navel? That's I what like I'm that. coming that, that showed that he'd been working hard yeah. on his way of showing he's working hard is he's unbuttoning his shirt to his navel and saying... Like me at the end of a parent's evening. You've been up for 12 hours. Why don't you go home, Jeannie or Jane or whatever your fucking Jane, name Jane, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that scene because it's so masculine and, and British 70s. It's ridiculous. Yes. It's like, look at me, I've got my... But he would have been better played by the guy at the stone tape, though, wouldn't he? <laughs> everyone would have been better <laughs> <laughs> what i'd like to do is recast satanic rites of dracula but do every character in cgi as the guy from the stone tape <laughs> even the women he's my now my favorite actor actor <laughs> it's taken me a week to edit our last episode because we got quite hysterical through it and it was there's lots of edits in it however us talking about that actor and then me editing clips of him <laughs> from the stone tape in it just made me appreciate how amazing he is and bonkers <laughs> you know what rap you know sound what like sounds like <laughs> anyway i want i want wagner on a on a ball bearing <laughs> <laughs> sorry to keep me harking back to previous episodes <laughs> And then you go straight into a bit where Jeannie, J- Jane, Jean, Jeannie, mm. Janie, Jane, has Jeannie. left work. Jean Genie, the Jean Genie has left work in a, in a uh, Mark 1 mini because it's got sliding windows rather than roll down windows. And um, wind down, not roll down, you wouldn't roll a window down. She just then is chased by some hoodlums, isn't she? So the, ho- yes. the hoodlums obviously know where the secret base of... of MI-80s, or whatever they're called. And and they kidnap her. But that sequence is great. They have to smash the windscreen with a massive tire iron. (laughs) Yeah. She holds up at her. Yeah, which means a a large rat couldn't headbutt its way through... (laughs) The windscreen of a, of a car. It was a, exactly. I think it was a Hillman Minx, the car in the book. Yeah, it? exactly. So that rat's head would have to be a, a strong tire iron. <laughs> Nuts. So I mean, so yet more evidence that James Herbert was on drugs. I think that the rat was maybe a crossbreed with a tire iron. And right. that's what James <laughs> Herbert hasn't disclosed. <laughs> and, and Peter Cushing smokes about 58 cigarettes. He holds him. them in a strange way as well. He do, he do, well, he holds them like Peter Cushing. Uh, what, I, what I have to say about Peter Cushing, again in this film, his hair looks incredible. <laughs> I think his hair looks like the best hair I've ever seen in 
in the world. <laughs> and secondly, he smashes his dialogue out of the park because yeah. he, he has to utter some absolute rubbish in this audience. <laughs> as, as Van Helsing, you're expected... But he, he is so... Believable. How old was he at this point? He looks about 90... He looks like Prince Philip going into hospital today, which is probably dead by the time this episode comes out. Um... I, I, I'll I'll Google this now. Go on, carry on, carry on. Carry right. On. Okay. So. Oh, this is when Joanna Lumley turns up with some coffee. Enter yeah, Joanna Lumley. Recast. Lumley. Very comely Joanna Lumley, as Harry Enfield once said in the nineties. Uh, I had a look online. Oh, what, what was the deal? Because I thought I oh, was Stephanie Beecham already off in America pursuing fame and fortune by then. But apparently on IMDb it just says she was unavailable. Mm. <laughs> so they just recast her. But yeah, and they, it's just going kind of like, oh, you remember my granddaughter. I didn't yeah. know if they were going to do this as his other granddaughter. But no, it's supposed yeah. to be the same character. Yeah, she is. She's a completely like... different character. She's no longer a, a hippie in, into all these. She's of... learned the error of her She's ways, a scientist Ross. now. She's learned the error of her ways. Two years have passed and she's become a scientist. So that's fine. Peter Cushing at this point, by my reckoning, would have been 15... 50... 50... 58, 59. No, he, he looks like he's in his 90s. He was grieving the loss of his wife. I've told you that last time. <laughs> it hit him hard. It hit him very hard. And, and Helen and I were watching a film yesterday that Peter Cushing popped up in. He's a very thin man when he's healthy and not grieving. So when he's grieving, he literally looks like a living skeleton. But he's got the best hair. <laughs> his hair is so perfectly quaffed that I just, I, I can't believe that it's not a wig. Thing of beauty. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It should be in the Versailles. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Freddie as Julian, Dr. Julian. The, the most famous scientist in the world. But anyone who takes a glimpse of him goes, He's won I the know, Nobel Prize. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. Well, I, I know every Nobel Prize winner by sight, don't you, James? <laughs> She's a scientist, Cleves. We, we were told they were at university at the same time. Yeah, but even the, police, <laughs> but the policemen recognise him by sight as well. Yeah. Well, that's when we didn't have a, a media that was topic. run by Murdoch and was just all articles about Kerry Katona and the Kardashians. Back in the 60s, when the, when the Times was edited like, by people like Harold Evans, we had proper news stories, Ross. Okay. That was yeah. the week that Was was on. That was, exactly, James. David Frost would let you know who these people were. <laughs> Enter Big Chris Lee. Yeah, these these scenes are intercut. When uh, Van Helsing goes to see the Nobel winning scientist, who's clearly under some kind of hypnotic suggestion, he's not right, is he? He's not right. Profusely, he's not right. He's he's all over the show. He says, "I I grew the culture, and then I exposed it to radioactive neutrons to create this super black plague." And I thought, well, that's getting closer, Hammer. Well done in terms of science. Following their (laughs) they're all over the show version on uh, Frankenstein, where remember. They put forward the idea that if you just give someone a genius's a genius sculptor's hands, yeah. they then will become genius sculptors themselves. He goes in, he knocks over a. Uh, this is a guy who we, we he knows going in works in deadly diseases. Mm. Yeah, he knocks over a petri dish and starts touching it with his bare hands. I'll be like, yes. I'll be out of that room like a fucking shot. If... More, oh, well, uh, what about the end? Yeah, 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 yeah. And what then... we now know about is that they'd all be dead. But also, he, he's doing all this work in his flat. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but he's telling them, no oh, this is a lovely uh, place you have here. Yeah, you know, this, this is no, um, oh, what's the name of the laboratory in the stone tape? <laughs> Ryan Electrics. <laughs> when Van Helsing regains consciousness, we see that the scientist has taken his own life 
But how they show it is really weird. First of all, you get like a crash zoom on his brown loafers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, the horror! Footwear! It is. <laughs> Casual shoes! That's what you want me to zoom in on, was it, Gov? Oh, fuck it, yeah, come on, let's go. <laughs> and then zoom in again on his face. Which Ross just did a really great impression. I shared the uh, screenshot of the guys earlier, but it's, it's like brilliant. in our ongoing uh, recurring theme on this podcast of horror shots of people kind of going <laughs> their tongue out, looking like either dead or strangled. <laughs> so intercut with this part is the poor secretary, Jean Genie's in bed, in the same bed that the prisoner was in. So it's not looking yep. good for her. Lots of banging. There's a lot of banging, the, the window's banging, the door's banging, and then someone lets off a smoke bomb underneath <laughs> her door. <laughs> but then in, come, then in comes Christopher Lee as, as Count Dracula. Enter Big Chris Lee, yeah. Does qu- quite a, a good smoochy kind of... Um, yeah, it's quite erotic. <laughs> it's quite erotic. Yeah, I, I like that, yeah. It's literally the least erotic thing I've <laughs> ever seen. Uh, looking oh, looking at a bowl of cornflakes is more erotic than this. Wow, I'm easily um, triggered. <laughs> Dracula comes in. Yeah. Hypnotizes her. She's all like lots yeah. of wide eyed. Yeah, yeah, give it to me, give it to me. And then bites the neck, crunch. Ah! But a very orgasmic yeah. arg. And, and crow then, flies out by the sound exactly. of it. Exactly. <laughs> you love my crow voice. But I've got to say, yeah. Love the outfit Chris Lee was wearing in this one. I love that. Has he got a little um, tie pin in his... Um, yeah, it's got, he's got like a three-button suit on, hasn't oh, he? Yeah. He looks quite kind of... Um, Again, this is the costume Carnaby from... Street. From this episode, this is the costume I'm going to wear. Um, <laughs> when we have the, um, the, the General Witchfinders convention. <laughs> Live. Yeah. On, on, the, on the Friday night. <laughs> Joanna Lumley d- d- is Joe Grant, sneaks in behind them. Lovely finds... outfit. Yellow belt. Yeah, great outfit. Finds a way into the cellar where Dracula's wives are obviously. Why are they chained up? Chained. Well, they're, they're out of control, the Ross. They, they'll, they'll go and. They're hungry vampires. Bite people. They'll go and bite the hoodlums in the Afghan goats. <laughs> okay, I suppose so. Gotta control right, them. It'd be a right mess. <laughs> and they'll use their sexy hypnotic powers like Jane did. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're they're some very but, attractive women in that basement. Well, the blonde one. That, that's probably about it. But then the uh, the Jane is tied up to the wall. Yeah, Jean, 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 tied to the wall. Jean, Jean, comes goes to sort of let her out, and then I I was very interested in Jonalee's eyebrows at that point. Oh yeah, they're odd in this. Very strange. Yeah. But then Jean Jeanie starts hypnotizing her, and then goes for the bite. But the vampires in these films are completely shit. They can't bite anyone. They're not very strong. Uh, easily <laughs> defeated. All you need to do is just sort of go, ah, ah, and like stand <laughs> still. Run from left to right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Then there's a, they then... are chained up at this point. But then it, there's in, a big, then there's a slap is limited. And then there's a slap fight. They're all slapping yeah, her. It, yeah, yeah. And she, one of them grabs her boobs. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that was odd, wasn't it? I did think that was odd, where they, she goes to grope her. Um, yeah. But, but Joanna Lumley screams, and um, Murray and William Franklin are alerted to her screams. They run in. Oh yeah, and save comedy her. running. They run down some steps. They get go through two doors, and then they save her. But in in the process, I think isn't Jean Genie is impaled? Then isn't she on? Uh... Yes, because first of all, she's like, "Help me, help me!" She reverts yeah. back to normal. Yeah. yeah, and he quite rightfully thinks she's a vampire. Good se- no, first of all, he he thinks, "Well, look, good secretaries are hard to come by these days." <laughs> so I'm best release her. Yeah, 
Yeah, he, tried, he tries to smash ah. up a wine rack and that doesn't work. So then he, he, <laughs> he smashes up a coffin and then yeah. uses that as a, a stake. Is it, I, I don't know if you're thinking of it. Oh, yeah. No, no. no you and you see a nipple right, at that huh? point. Yeah, you, yeah. Yes, you do. It's, see it's a, a nipple, nipple heavy film. A nipple heavy. Yeah, there's a there, lot. There's... Something happened in the two years between men and women. There, there was yeah. lots more nipples in this film. Yeah, there's no nudity at all in uh, Dracula AD 1972. No. I don't think it's there. Nope, nope. Nope. And I would say sexier because of it. Well, controversial uh, on that bombshell. Oh, no, yeah. I think stop the podcast here. Drop the mic, please. <laughs> <laughs> Then cut to dramatic yeah. soup eating. So yes, <laughs> well, is it is it soup? soup. Yes, is it? Because one bowl was red, very thin. Yeah, blood, yeah. blood. Minestrone is that a thin soup? I said perhaps. While while they're having a, de- a debriefing at um, Van Helsing's flat, he's Post got a, escape. He's got a big silver soup dish. Which soup is, soup terrine. Terrine. That's terrine. the word. Terrine. Terrine. A terrine soup, which he's he's serving up to everyone to have. To have this weird red, and it's like, where, what? Where? How did this happen? What happened? <laughs> and it's out this of, is, um, it's out of little things that look like bowl. cups, but yeah. with two handles. Yeah, we're slurping out of. And I don't out. think they're silver cleaves. I think they're they're china, aren't they? They're oh, like yeah. white china. Oh. But I thought that's very interesting. That whole kind of nineteen seventies medical advice thing of if you've been involved in some dreadful <laughs> dreadful kind of trauma or just, or just give him a just have a cup of tea yeah or go on have a cup of tea some and sit Lucas down Aid. you know have some soup but, and lots of cigarettes that's probably yeah. what they did to the spy at the start just give him some fags and a cup of tea You'll no be one right, really died. <laughs> yeah he's just smoked 10 fags and died of emphysema <laughs> um but, yes that that's a great scene because again cushing smashes his dialogue through mouthfuls and, of soup and they have soup i would i would say then he then lays down on top of us on top he goes well you know it looks like what they were going to use is they're going to unleash this biological weapon mm. on us which we now know is black plague times one million and, and what peter cushing then he says oh but you know if they unleash that that will kill everyone on earth and dracula won't have anyone to feed off of peter cushing says maybe this is what he wants yeah maybe he wants to die i thought it's final with great great idea this is really great yeah it's and a great idea well, yeah they're saying that he he's he's fed up of living forever that he wants yeah. he wants us to end and I thought, all. that's a brilliant idea that's really cool he doesn't that's want really to good. keep being resurrected by idiots like johnny it's... alucard oh, uh, or, or, or roy <laughs> the blood of roy kinnear i think at some point gets Boy. splashed on him <laughs> which must be pretty tiresome. It's got the thing of where the colonel, who is played by an actor who is in every British film ever. But, as a colonel. Like, as a colonel. Yeah. Um, and probably advertised, like, tunes or something. Yeah, but at what point the did they say, we don't need colonels in films anymore? That, that poor man. <laughs> I think they should bring them back. I, I, I like having a colonel as an authority figure. I suppose well, yeah. as, as National Service waned, we yeah. didn't need so many military people in our films. <laughs> So we're building up to the end now. He says, "Ah, oh, yes, two years ago, mm. in, on the site of St. Bartholf's Church, yeah. I fought Dracula for the last time. And, you yeah. know, and they resisted doing any flashback sequences there. And then he was like, the other day, I was out and I was walking past the office block, which now stands at his place. And there's an amazing blue plaque. Yeah. <laughs> All they needed to have was a little bit of wooden spokes sticking out of the ground. Right. <laughs> as, as was in 1972. But then I thought about it. He then says that, that what's the name of the industry again, Ross? D.D. Denham. D.D. Denham. D.D. Denham, right? It's massive. It's yeah, huge. It's a huge it's, building. It's, and you're like, wait a minute. So 
he's been seen off again in 1972, yeah. resurrected and built this multinational corporation in under in 18 two years. months. Yeah. And I just put, get Dracula on The Apprentice. <laughs> he wins. You've got this brilliant Holmes and Moriarty kind of scene here. I think they both know, I think they're both meant to know that he is Dracula, but they're doing this weird... Shadow boxing. Peter Cushing has to have another cigarette at this point, which he says helps him to concentrate, goes for the lighter on Dracula's desk, then very badly and unconvincingly knocks some books onto the floor. As he picks up the books again, he slips in his Bible and puts those on the desk. And then you've got this very weird sequence where Count Dracula is waving his arms about and then puts his arm totally unrealistic place but touches the bible which then sets off the puff of smoke which is yeah. which, which makes me forgive the fact that his arm just goes in the most stupid one of the 200 place. 200 fallibilities of, of vampires <laughs> they are they are the, the worst villains ever and everything and anything is yeah. a, a fallibility to a vampire yeah. sunlight water Twigs. Bibles. Twigs. Twigs. <laughs> Twigs. Yeah, you find out that he's Dracula, the kind of four horsemen of the apocalypse popper. Uh, but they're down to... Are they down to three or two now? I can't remember. They... they well, Van Helsing's meant to be one of the apocalypse. Yeah, so they apprehend Van Helsing and then he becomes the stand-in for Freddie Jones. And then they're like, oh, we're going to go off to our uh, luxury country pad now where we've captured your granddaughter, Jessica... See, Van Helsing at that point is, is very angry. Later on, why is it that when one of the, the, uh, the Afghan coat-wearing henchmen comes in to attack him, we've established that they've got access to guns. Why does he come to attack him with a small metal bar? Because the metal bars uh, will channel electricity. So. Well, there you go, right? I think you've just answered your own question. Yeah. The mise-en-scene, mate. Yeah, and there is it a point make any sense. where he, he falls backwards against the, 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 the brick wall, which is obviously yeah. just a load of like printed bricks on a bit of paper, which is like wobbles <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the wind. But in the wind, the Chinese lady comes forward, tries to seduce him. She is dispatched. Probably the first and only time in, in a vampire or a horror film by a dibber, but which you use for planting seeds in the garden. So after, after he throws a net over her, <laughs> yeah, which he, totally bewilders he, her. He yeah. throws a net over her. It worked her. in Roman times. Then he finds a load of um, <laughs> plant pots and a handy dibber and a handy hammer, and he uh, dispatches her with a dibber. So that's the weirdest. Like, if Monty Don was on hand to uh, kill yeah. vampires... Monty I'm Don sure. looks like Frankenstein. I always think he looks... <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like Frankenstein's Frankenstein creature. Creature, sorry. No, that's Adam James, Frankenstein. James said his name's Adam Frankenstein. <laughs> Adam, Adam. Yeah, yeah, he wears Frankenstein's clothes and he, he looks like a reanimated giant man. Dracula is convincing, through the power of his mind, one of his four horsemen to crush... The vial of... Vial? Black vial, Death Plus. What are they called? Vial. vial. Yeah, of, uh, of Black black Death Maximus. Maximus yeah. Bacillus Pestis, which is That's not what they call it in the film, but, you know, now... Sounds I, cool. Yeah. That's the name of our band, though. <laughs> More scientific than Hammer managed, John. <laughs> so he crushes that and then instantaneously is is infected and, and gets lots of... Um, yeah, and, and almost dies as a sense, which make that play completely useless. If you die instantaneously from, from catching it, yeah. it's never going to spread. No. 
Anyway, so but just, he rides around. I got excited about that lovely... point, and it was very short. And I realised that I was too more excited <laughs> than I needed to be in order to make that point. <laughs> he's covered in boils. He's roaming around. There's some very dubbed moaning noises, and then obviously there's ex- the explosion. The room catches fire. Inspector Murray rushes in. Rescues Jessica. The other two guys leg it, and you never see them there again. again. They yeah. go home to their wives. Busy day at the office, darling. Oh, very oh. busy, darling. <laughs> yeah, we we just avoided the apocalypse. I, I've been a slave to a vampire for the past. There two may years. be some. There may be some awkward questions in the press <laughs> over the next few days. <laughs> They'll have to appear stood at a gate with their wives eating a, <laughs> eating a hamburger. <laughs> I just got to say, there's no kids. I was about to DLT style <laughs> with, with their own tape recorder to make sure they're not being misquoted. First <laughs> off, let's just get one thing clear. It's not kids. <laughs> <laughs> the best press conference ever by David Lee Travis during the U-Tree. Bye, bye, Coops. Peter Cushing run into a forest. He's, for- he's followed Hawthorne by... Mm-hmm. He's followed by uh, Christopher Lee as uh, slow Count pace. Dracula. <laughs> Very yes. slow pace. So there was a point where all that, everything you said was happening and Dracula was just watching. Yeah. yeah. Just like That's looking, what he does. Smiling. Smiling. Grimacing. The, I thought it was quite chilling. Was. I thought it was quite chilling that he was just smiling. <laughs> he could have just killed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> just ripped them, ripped them to pieces. And then Peter Cushing goes through a bush with his camel coat on, gets a bit of his camel coat caught in the bush, and he's like, hang on, this is Hawthorne. Earlier on in the film... I mentioned Hawthorne. I earlier on it. in the film, I mentioned that Hawthorne is very bad because it's what crowns... Uh, no, what Christ's crown Jesus of thorns. Thorns was made of crown, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to wait here for Count Dracula. In fact, I'm going to call Dracula Taunt over him. to see... And he's Dr- so stupid. This, <laughs> he's so, this person who's, who, who's managed to build this big... Uh, operational in, in under two years. Yeah. Yeah. He's managed to... Um, pull all of this together to build this plague and all this yes. destroy the world he's so stupid you can go dracula dracula come this Remember bush it, come through this bush oh, oh, you'll get a bit I'll scratched oh, oh keep coming so he goes keep into coming. the bush and i did wince at this part because the bush looks genuinely very thorny and horrible. apparently he mm. did he did hurt himself oh really yeah so he's pushing he's a trooper through, he's, <laughs> he's pushing through the bush Getting a bit scratched. Peter Cushing is watching him going, I don't really know what to do next. But then he notices there's like one of those fences made out of like wooden bits with wire. Can I just tell a story here? Um, yeah. And we might need to cut it out. Yeah. So when we were uh, younger. When, when you say we, do you mean uh, you? We, I'm, yes, we? yeah, because I'm the only one who does any work on this podcast. So. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> here we are. James has sent us this, Ross. That's the picture that's going on the front of the podcast. <laughs> There it is. Dave Lee Travis is Dracula. <laughs> well, we need that recorder. Zoom. Um, I Aung San Chi says, Aung San Chi said, I kept her going while she was in prison, everyone. <laughs> Don't forget that. So when I was younger, me and my friends were, um, we were playing in the field over by the girls' grammar school and we came across a lad who was uh, known as Podgy <laughs> he was crouched in a bush burning in all his school books oh. but you, Ross you should point out that he was somewhat of a, a local character he was, he, he, was a, he was a local scary lad who, if you went down the shops you went, you, you'd be really scared if you were sitting on the bin Wait, by the shops was he mentally unwell or yeah like, he, he had a, a face yes. he had a face tattooed on his arse and if he um, bent over he <laughs> and an make... arse tattooed on his face <laughs> yeah. um, he was burning all his school books and we came across him and we were just frozen with fear yeah. at that point 
Who is we at this point? Please? My brother and a boy called. <laughs> he's, prob <laughs> he's probably dead. He's probably dead. <laughs> Most on, of the mate. people I grew up with are dead now. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> but it's so. It's I'm true. alive, you dick. Not you, him. No, no all the people mean. on my estate have all died. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, right, okay. They've all crashed their cars or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> We would just throw some. We was, it was like, fuck, it's podgy. <laughs> what are we going to do? What year was this, Cleese? I was like, so as well. The way, <laughs> the way you're describing this. He's still alive. I, I'm imagining it as at least like 1974. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably, how old would I be? First year of. How old was that, Jim? Jim? 1990. 1990. 1990. So I think, I think like, he had been expelled from school and it was just some kind of ritual burning of books that he was doing on his own. Nice and I think that we came across it. And Cathartic. It, yeah. And he started talking. To, I can't remember. He was just talking to us about how much he hated school. And, and, and um, you've got to leave this in. Just beep, just beep the names out. And um, we were just so frightened of this boy. And um, we just stand there with fear. And then we went, run. And we all ran. <laughs> And me and my brother running, and my brother goes, "Get your knife out!" And I was running, and I had a pen knife I got for my birthday. And I'm running, I got my knife out, I got my knife out. And, and oh my God. unfortunately, oh. was quite a large boy, and um, he, couldn't, he couldn't run as fast as we could. Oh. Uh, and he got caught by Podgy. No way. I just kept running, running, holding my pen knife, and I jumped onto jumped onto a, a bench, and then jumped onto the top of a. Uh, uh, fence and and just vaulted over it and kept running, yeah. leaving my my little brother behind, who yeah. was stuck behind this fence, and he couldn't screaming. get out. Yeah, screaming at the mercy. Yeah, at the mercy. Yeah. Right. You were you were like Robert Carlyle in Twenty Eight Weeks Later, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> running away from the house. And it was all with like your wife thorn bushes. It's all thorn bushes, and he was like trying to get through these thorn bushes to get over this fence. He was his, who was your or your brother? My brother. Right. Um, and he was getting impaled by all these thorns, and eventually he got over there, and. <laughs> And we were so scared of Podgy, but we were also scared of my mum, <laughs> that I had to pull these poor, these poor forms out of his skin, like quite long, probably about an inch Ooh. long, pulling them out of his Ooh. bleeding legs. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going right. to do? What are um, we going to do? He's got... He's got... It's going to kill him. He's going to kill did, him. Did, I don't did, know. Did, we're both crying. What you describing is so much like... um. The film with Martin Freeman that we've talked about before. Is it Ghost, Ghost Stories? Ghost Story, yeah. 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 It's yeah. that. It's like that. Fine. Oh. Eventually, my brother just covered oh. in blood, just dripping from all these holes in his legs and arms. Yeah. Just came walking along and he said, it's just a really sad... Like, i got to say, this guy turned out to be like the most out gay guy, which no we way. probably know at our school, but completely we didn't realise. He's, he's, yeah. he's just a lovely guy. He just won him over. Yeah, just won him the over. Power of, the power of compassion Podgy, won him over. Yeah, Podgy told him his life story and just how, how persecuted he felt from school. And he just said, oh, you know, you I, realize, just, I just feel really sorry wow. for him. I just, wow. uh, Ross, you realise that, that just basically just sounds like a proto-episode of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to beep out all the names for that. But, um, yeah, yeah, so he, he just needed, he, Podgy just needed to be understood. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I just, just remember my brother being stuck in that bush. <laughs> and I also remember there was someone walking their dog and he was bang, he was shaking the fence going, help me, help me! And they just walked past. <laughs> oh my Where, God. Was this in pool? Yeah, pool. Yeah. Yeah, it's in pool. Pool. It was a <laughs> date in pool. Pool by, by the sewage farm. Oh, <laughs> oh, lovely. Dearie, man.
theory be? So okay. anyway, yeah. Christopher Lee pushes through this bush. Peter Cushing's there in his camel coat. And then he's on the floor, like, air, gnashing So then he feet. trips. Air, air. Which is the poster of the film. <laughs> yeah, it is. And his foot gets captured by a root. Root. He can't escape. And then Peter Cushing grabs this stake out of this fence, does him. With Not it. on his heart. Yeah, that's what I noted that. <laughs> yeah. that but towards like the end, but it cuts guts. back later. That it looks like guts. it's ended up. But to, it, the initial entry is like through his stomach. I would always no be really heart. anxious about killing a vampire. That it'd be really oh. hard to actually hit their heart, wouldn't it? Yes, which is the one, that, which is the old one in uh, Dad's Army who does. They don't like it happen. Not free. Oh no, 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 Jones. Uh, that's Jones. Jones. That's Jones. Yeah. <laughs> so he does it in more of the style of him, doesn't he? Going. They yes. don't like it happen, sir. They don't like it happen, sir. But that's more like what Our he pagans. does. And then. Yeah. So the, the ending, really, I think, is really, really downbeat. And it, just it ends. doesn't resolve anything. No. There's, no. No, there's no coda. It's a bit of an In the background, there's, there's like this, this infected man just going, <laughs> touching <laughs> policemen and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the next film will just be the city from Team Sober the Rats. It's not the rats <laughs> that killed the world. It, it's a, this is where the two universes convene. <laughs> There we go. That, those are some clips from those three episodes. Um, if you enjoyed them and you haven't heard the originals, go, go back. back and listen to, to all of them. And or tell your friends. Uh, <laughs> or give us a review. It's been really good to get a review. Um, we've had a few people. The, our last review was someone telling us about telling us off about not doing enough James Herbert. So, um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, so Start your own podcast, sir. Yeah, just, just do more James Herbert. Let's have a look. What's it called? Um general witch finders that's what, we're <laughs> what are we doing yeah general general what oh <laughs> bit of space in so our last review on itunes not itunes what's it called apple oh, apple podcast nowadays isn't it uh i only follow for james herbert oh podcast celebrating the best of british oh. horror i listen because he discussed james herbert the rats and promise more the fogs Years later, I'm still listening. Yeah. Although I don't always agree with their reviews, Fair. Extra is fantastic. <laughs> okay. It's a great way to spend an hour. Now, if they can only hurry up with that fog review. Mm. Um, well, thank you. We're not going to do the fog. Uh, well, yeah, thank you for the review. Thank you for taking still... the time. We appreciate that. That's good. Mm. Um, and again, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, in this 21st century, everyone horribly online constantly, and you know, people always at each other's throats. You don't always have to agree with each other. That's nice. No. That's nice. That's great. Yeah. That's and it gave us five stars. Oh, so thank you very much. Yeah, that. that's, that's very kind of you. And yeah. we will get round to the fog eventually. We will get round to the yeah. fog because if nothing else said, it is set in Andover, partially or close to Andover, mm. where my partner mm-hmm. Kirsty lives. And mm. the school that James Herbert mentions in it, I think I know where it is. And yes. I just want, want a, another opportunity to basically go and scope out this school <laughs> and shout through the letterbox. Did James Herbert ask permission? What research is James Herbert do. doing in your sports hall with some cricket well, yeah, stumps? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yes, there's definitely something possible there, I, I think, yeah. I, at some point. We'll have to talk with John Round on that one. Yeah, and there'll have to be another worldwide uh, lockdown. <laughs> so we've got to time it, on our hands. Yeah, absolutely. But until then, yes. Here's here's us talking about something horrific, which isn't something horrific. Something Star Trekish. Yeah. Um. But until next time, um, we will be coming back and we will be doing the which Woman in just, Black. Just as and just as a little trailer, Ross. Sorry, we said that you said that this absolutely this freaks you out. I haven't seen well, it. Yet. Yeah. 
I think it's a lot of not much happening. There's some, a couple of quite scary bits in it, but I will tell Ooh, you more about that when, when we come to that. If you're looking for something else to listen to, I've got two other podcasts, which I'm going to plug. i got a podcast called Dark Darset, which is um, all about sort of spooky and supernatural things around Dorset. Um, and the other one is called Frankenstein Dissected, which uh, me and my friend are reading Frankenstein one chapter at a time and talking about it and talking about things related to it so we talk about mary shelley's mother and mary shelley's uh father in the first two episodes and we're gonna be talking about uh byron in the next Ooh. one so um have you have you mentioned that she she lost her virginity having sex on her mum's grave yet we will be doing well, that yes that's the big facts isn't it? That's, that's the big one anyway but um until next time thank yeah, you for listening day, everyone. everyone take care until next time thank you bye-bye you have been listening to the general witch finders <laughs>be loads of spoilers where we talk about star trek um picard now so if you haven't watched it don't listen any further because we're pretty much going to spoil it loads Um. So something which we both watched and enjoyed, mm. and um, I suppose it's not really horrific, because I thought it was amazing, mm. um, but we could quickly just talk about this, um, was we both enjoyed uh, the third season of Picard. Oh my God, yes, yes. Um, I don't know if I listen, I don't know if there was a crossover for um, 1970s horror and, and Star Trek, <laughs> but um, if, you, if you're not interested in Star Trek, just get the, well, I'll put this at the end of the episode yeah. so you can, you, can, you can stop now, but um, James, what did you think of Picard? Oh, well... It's that I've read a lot of things just saying like, oh, it's just pure nostalgia. But then also I've also read things saying that's all right sometimes. If everything's mm. nostalgia, that's rubbish. And you yeah. know, you've got to move things forward sometimes. But in a, you know, in a series which they had very, very, you know, audibly said, this will be the last Picard and this will be the last next year. I think they've they've earned the right to do like a nice nostalgia payoff. And it was just a, a really good payoff for all those characters. Like you and I, having grown up with those characters and for any international listeners, um, for both of us, uh, Ross would watch brand new Next Generation via Sky um, and would often have to tell me what had happened. Or if yeah, I was, or, video or if he was very, very kindly every now and then would video it for me. Or... I think both of us would watch it. It used to be broadcast on BBC Two on like a Wednesday or Thursday night at at, at six o'clock. So while you're having your dinner, Next Generation was on. So during our formative Mm. years, Next Generation was a large part of our... So whereas I'm, of course, I'm more of a Star Wars person and Star Wars is my thing. I'm I'm always very... I always think very kindly towards 
track. And I, yeah. I, I will always go. So, so weird to think that yeah. there was a point when, you know, we were friends mm. when they were still making Star Trek. Yeah. It was, it's out because it's, it's it's such an old thing now. Yeah. But the fact that we would like get in the magazine. That's right. Like, oh, this is, is going to be coming on, oh. on, on season seven. Oh, uh, oh laws back. Head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, why why have they gone backwards in time? Why have they gone backwards in time to the eighteen yeah. hundreds? What's going to happen on the second part of the episode with Data's head? That's the one. By, um, Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but um, yeah, I loved it. I because um, I. I think I was forcing myself to like seasons one and two mm. of Picard. There, there were certain parts of it I thought were good, other parts of it mm. just didn't work. Just yeah, just didn't work for me. But um, uh, but when I saw the trailer for the third one and knowing that all all the old crew were going to be in it, I was apart from yeah, Paul Wesley. It, it it actually for me and and um, better watch it. We, we were just saying this is just probably one of the best programs on tv this is actually a decent story yeah. yeah every episode ended on a cliffhanger where you wanted to know what was yep. going to happen next yep. and i felt for for a change the new characters who were introduced like um spoilers picard's son oh, i thought yeah. he was brilliant yep. i thought the the captain of the other ship that became the enterprise yeah yeah spoilers but i thought he was excellent i was really i was really sad when he got when he yep. died i thought he's a brilliant actor but the last two episodes so it was just a brilliant tv program i thought uh, all the way through um i guess the borg borg mm. bits um but when the last two episodes when it went into like nostalgia overdrive i was just pretty much crying <laughs> all the way through it was just amazing it was it, it was lovely wasn't it it was good because i thought i would have just been happy with the uh, the episode alone where they went to like you know geordie space museum where, mm-hmm. where they you know and also the one where they go to the nordstrom institute and they've got all yes. the things like the genesis device in it i was like that this has been plenty yeah. this has been and, and jim and and um uh, captain Kirk's body, body for reasons yeah. well i don't know uh, you know the eternal nerd in me was like they're They've got some sort of plan for that, haven't they? There's going to be some sort of William Shatner regen- you know, regeneration going on. I don't know, uh, but yeah. So, so all of that was uh, was good fun. And I, I thought Wolf was brilliant. He, Michael really well. Dawn was brilliant. As someone who's always been a fan of that character, I thought he nailed it. Him snoring, a, that, that's, and I shall come with you and make it a threesome. He's like, Can you? <laughs> and I also thought Frakes was clearly just really enjoying yeah. himself. All yeah, the, when he tried to pick up his pick up his sword, like, oh, shit! Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> yes, so yeah, it, it was all good all round, and you know, a, mm. a tremendous post credit sequence scene as well, which I wasn't expecting. I literally just left it running because I enjoy hearing the music and the and the credit scene, the credits at the end. Do you reckon they're going to do a season? A new what series I've with read is is that everyone involved wants to do it. All the actors have said, whoa, we're, we're up for this. Terry Metalis, if, if that's his name, the showrunner, was like, I would do this in a heartbeat. And fans are like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, you know, let's, let's go with that. The issue is, is how much money can Paramount spend at once on something? Because they have got the last series of Discovery to do. Strange mm. New Worlds is ongoing. Mm. Um, they've got Starfleet Academy coming. And they're yeah. doing that movie, that Department H or whatever it's called, or Department oh. with Michelle with Michelle Yeoh because Michelle Yeoh's won the Oscar, hasn't she? For every right, so okay. they're doing a movie with her. So that's a below deck. Yes, yeah, well, that's, that's the one I like. But that's yeah. that's four live action Trek things happening at once. And I have you watched Demonstration Wars? I watched the one, yeah. first episode. I was like, mm, what's your? It gets yeah. better. 
It gets yeah. better. Once again, it's good to have on when, when I'm making my dinner. It's it's quite good because I've I've got Paramount Plus at the moment to watch the new series of Yellow Jackets. So I've just been burning through them like that. But I wouldn't be like, yes, Strange New Worlds. And I've, I've got I've got to watch this. But yeah, it was it was just a yeah Picard. It was just a lovely nostalgia fest at the end, and it, it did feel like a really good farewell and sign off for those characters. There hasn't been any Star Trek I've watched since the Next Generation movies apart from below mm. decks which felt like star trek to me everything it's just like nothing's catching mm. my imagination apart from that last season i was like oh yeah i want to be in, because for me the, the things i like are uh so i like doctor who mm. because i always think like if the tardis turned up i would go yes. in the tardis and i always like star trek because it was like i want to be in staff yeah uh, and as we know from when we found a load of my um school <laughs> schoolboy <laughs> stuff that, oh, um, that i was, was. going to be the yeah so basically we found a uh, box full of um, stuff from my teenage years. <laughs> and one of them was a little profile I made of myself of, of, of if I was going to be in Starfleet. Brilliant. And I was the religions officer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was a, a bit into Christianity at that point. But... <laughs> I forgot all about that. <sighs> yeah, very, but yes. And if you're in any way, I'm sure if you are anyway Trek inclined, you've probably watched it already. But it's it, certainly a thumbs up from both of us. Is worth watching. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.